Good morning, brothers and sisters. How are you? It's Friday morning coming at you. I'm PK. Thanks for listening to DJ and PK. We got football. We got basketball today. Aggies and the Lobos. And, of course, the Utes in Colorado and then the Jazz in New Orleans tonight. Big day. Thanks for joining us on the day after Thanksgiving. Got to talk some Utes since they are going to wrap up the regular season, get themselves ready for the conference title game next week in Las Vegas. Find out tomorrow who they're playing. Hopefully it's Oregon. They're nationally ranked. The Utes get an opportunity to beat Oregon twice. It would be really cool, I believe. And it would be good for them, good for the conference to have a couple of nationally ranked teams playing next week as opposed to Washington State or Oregon State, neither of whom sniffed the rankings. Not good. Um, tougher to beat Oregon, but so what? Uh, you hammered them last week. You can do it again next week. It's the way I look at it. You want the best uh, exposure for your program, and what better exposure to beat Oregon twice and then roll into the Rose Bowl on January 1st playing either Ohio State or Michigan. We'll see what happens there. Probably that would be the uh, loser of that game would play in the Rose Bowl. See as they get ready to play in their big game tomorrow. A lot of big games tomorrow for sure. Right now, let's talk some Ute football. They got Colorado. They should win. Colorado's struggling. Although Colorado did beat Oregon State last, uh, what was it, last month? Earlier this month? Yeah, I think it was earlier this month. And let's go with somebody who knows what he's talking about from the Boulder paper where the University of Colorado is located, Brian Howell. Brian, here we are. The rivalry is back. It's this time of year. Are you fired up or what? <laughs> uh, Rumble in the Rockies or whatever they call it, right? <laughs> yeah, this manufactured rivalry. I guess I'm fired up. Uh, you know, for you know Utah fans, I know there's a lot to look forward to. For Colorado fans, it's, um, you know, it's basketball season at this point. So I guess we're looking forward to kind of turning the page after this one yeah last year was a crazy situation with the pandemic and the buffaloes were the big surprise you know with uh winning the games that they won um i'm wondering if you think this season was derailed before the season when for whatever reason and i'm not sure their quarterback transfers to oregon state and now he doesn't play i think it's more than that i mean he transfers but then also they brought in a transfer last winter from Tennessee, JT Shrout, that, you know, from a lot of people I've heard from that got to watch practice would have been the guy. And, you know, it was characterized to me that this staff was devastated when he went down with a knee injury in middle of August. So, um, you know, it's, it's possible Brendan Lewis would have been their third string guy this year. I mean, he might've been the guy, but at, at, at worst, you would have had a shorter leash on Brendan Lewis early in the season when things went south offensively and you could have you know, gone with another option where they just didn't have another option. Yeah, and that's, I think, what it boils down to offensively. They haven't been very good at all, and I think it starts with the quarterback position, although when I look at the stats, 27 sacks, that's a lot. Uh, how I don't want to – it's harsh to say, but how bad's the offensive line? Yeah, it, it's been bad. I mean, it, it's been bad enough that uh, a few weeks ago Carl Durrell – fired the offensive line coach, and that's the first time maybe in history from people I've talked to that CU's ever fired a position coach in the middle of the season. So, uh, you know, it was, it's been bad. I mean, that, that group is, has not played very well, and, you know, Brendan Lewis has had his ups and downs. He's a freshman, and, you know, he's had his struggles. But uh, the offensive line has just not been good, and, you know, it's affected the run game, the passing game, and, 
know, the, the offense just in general, outside of a few little spurts and, a, you know, a, a nice about nine-quarter stretch a few games ago, um, this offense has just not been very good most of the season. Brian Howell from the Boulder Daily Camera joining us. Yeah, because I thought that as I – as we, we we broadcast every day or every year from Pac-12 Media Day, and Darrell is such a likable dude that you you'd like to see him succeed. Uh, but I thought, man, they're they're just going to be in trouble uh, at, at this point here. Uh, I didn't know that they could recreate what they had last year, but I thought they'd have more success running the ball with Broussard and, and Fontenot figuring I could have made a case going into the season that the combination of those two guys would give them the best one-two punch on the ground in the conference, and it hasn't worked out to the level. I and mean, Broussard, it's not like he's had a bad season, but I, I figured one of these guys would be a 1,000-yard rusher. I don't know how much of it's a knock on those guys. How much of it a knock is it on the passing game isn't prolific so they can stack the box or the offensive line, or in your idea, is it a combination of everything? I think it's a combination of everything, and, and you're right about that duo. And, you know, beginning of the season, I would have thrown in a Shad Clayton, who was a four-star recruit in 2020. I mean, I thought the trio was going to be very good this season, and a shot ended up being kind of a non-factor, got hurt, and he was redshirting. So, uh, yeah, it hasn't been great, but there's been times where Jared Broussard and Alex Fontenot have both looked fantastic, and they'll they'll break off a run where you're like, okay, wow, they're they're not hurt. They they've still got the ability. They they found a hole right there, but it just hasn't been consistent. And you know, especially early in the season when Brennan Lewis just you know wasn't hitting receivers and couldn't throw. It started with kind of the Minnesota game where um, the Gophers just said, you know, we're, you know, we're not going to let you beat us with the run. They stacked the box and see you couldn't do anything that day. It ended up with like 63 yards of offense. So that's kind of been a theme that uh, teams have used most of the season. And luckily for the Buffs, Brennan Lewis has played well and kind of back teams off a little bit uh, in the second half of the season. Tell us about the injuries on defense because I understand there's been a few. Yeah, there's been quite a few. I mean, Nate Lamon, um, who, you know, if you fans remember, you know, he tore his Achilles against the Utes uh, you know, last, last year's year, game. Yeah. Came back, had, you know, had a phenomenal recovery and was unbelievable the first seven games, but then injured his shoulder at Cal. He's missed the last four games. And, you know, they keep saying hey, there's a shot he'll play. I'd be surprised if he plays this week. And they also lost a couple of uh, outside linebackers. I mean, last week, their started their second starting outside linebacker was basically their fifth-string guy who didn't even see the field until two weeks ago. So um, they're, they're a little depleted there. They've got sometimes three true freshmen in the secondary that are playing at once. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're a little depleted on the defensive side, and um, that's happened throughout the season. They were pretty good defensively the first, I'd say, six, seven games, and then, Ever since Landman and Guy Thomas, one of their outside linebackers, went out, uh, they've just really struggled. Brian Howell from the Boulder Daily Camera joining us. So when you look at hope, you know, we don't put much hope in beating the Utes this week, obviously. But going forward, uh, as you're trying to look for some hope with this team, is it in the youth? Where, where is it exactly? Yeah, I, I think it is in the youth. I mean, that, that's the one positive thing is there's a lot of young guys that they that they believe have a lot of talent that are now getting some snaps. And it sort of reminds me of the 2013 Buffs who were not very good, but they played a ton of freshmen. And that's the group that in 2016, as seniors, were basically a bunch of four-year starters that won the South title. So 
this sort of reminds me of that. We'll see if that progresses, you know, over the next couple of seasons into that. But, you know, the hope is with that youth. And then also the Buffs have got to have a really good offseason in the transfer portal. They've got to get some reinforcements in a lot of different areas. How much have they mined that? Quite a bit. I think that'll be a big part of what they do, at least in the early going of Darrell's tenure. I think that they're, they need some quick fixes in a lot of spots. Yeah, that's what I'm I, – I guess that's probably – if your team isn't good enough where it's at right now, I'm figuring the idea is, well, let's just go to the transfer portal then. Uh, and, you know, you would think with – Darrell's been around, coached in various parts of the country, that he might have some contacts, and that might be – I don't know if it's an easy way, but it might be a potential way to get this program – I don't know. What, what do you think is a realistic uh, – uh, position for this program, uh, bowl eligibility, or actually contending to win the South. I think the first step is bowl eligibility, and, and you're right; it's not an easy fix. I mean, they got six transfers this last year, and not one of them ended up being a, a starter this year. So um, it, they've got to do better at that portal. But yeah, I do think that if they have a you know a, a good offseason in the transfer portal, that really bowl eligibility is the issue for this team. I mean, they've got to get there. They've only made two bowl games, I think, in 17 years. Or three bowl games, I think it is. So uh, they've got to get there. They've never been to back-to-back bowl games in that period. And that's kind of the next goal you know, for this program is just get six wins for a couple seasons in a row and, and try to build on that. And then eventually maybe you can contend for the South title. Brian Howell with the Boulder Daily Camera joining us. All right, you brought up basketball, 5-1. and one. Tad Balls, you just got a pretty good program. They've got some players there, big Evan Bate, uh, Batty's back, some other guys, Walker. Uh, what are you looking at this season as far as them being a contender? Because I think they can they can be. Yeah, I think they can be. They, they just played out in the Virgin Islands this week and did not have a very good tournament. They went 2-1, and one, uh, but, you know, really they were kind of expected – to get to the championship game and play against Colorado State, and they end up losing the first game and barely won the next two. So um, it's kind of a shaky five and one start, but that's a pretty good team. That you know they have a history of not doing well um, in tropical tournaments. So you know maybe it's just getting out of the tropics that'll help them. But there's a lot of talent. I think they just got to grow together. I think that that's a team that by March and when you get to Vegas for the tournament, they could be really tough to contend with. So they don't do well in tropics because that was uh, because what was it a couple years back uh, on graduation commencement ceremonies it snowed. Yeah, that's right. I think it was uh, 2019. <laughs> it might have been. So yeah, uh, it, it'd be a good thing if they can get back to cold weather. They, they're really good in Boulder, and uh, you know they they have a, a history of pulling off a few wins here and there on the road in the Pac-12. So um, I think this team is talented enough. I'm not sure if they'll contend for the. The Pac-12 title, I think UCLA and maybe Arizona uh, put themselves uh, near the top of that. But I do think they can be a top-four team in the Pac-12. Okay, contend for an NCAA berth then. Yes, I think I think they can do that. All right, uh, what is your thought as far as uh, how ugly will it get on Friday? Ooh, I, I almost think that Utah could name its score. Now, if they show up and and – you know, play motivated. I mean, the one thing I, I look at this game and say, all right, maybe Colorado has a shot in that Utah really has nothing to play for other than just its senior day. But um, they're not moving anywhere in the standings or, you know, they can't contend for a national title. They already won the South. 
and maybe they're looking forward to uh, next week. So that's probably CU's only hope is that Utah's doing that. Otherwise, I think, I mean, the Utah have just pounded the bus the last few years, and I think that this yeah. is, you know, really maybe the worst uh, CU team that we've seen in the last four or five years. So I think the Utes could almost name their score. All right, Brian, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, guys. All right, that was Brian Howell. Coming up next, the Jazz get a nice victory in Oklahoma City. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Aggies look to keep their hopes for a division title alive as they hit the road for a battle against New Mexico to wrap up the regular season. Catch all the play-by-play action beginning with the Aggie pregame this Friday morning at 10 a.m. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The Jazz get a nice victory in Oklahoma City. Was not easy. Donovan Mitchell takes over in the final minute or so, scores the last uh, six points. Not the last one, but the, uh, I think Gobert got a free throw there at the end. But the most decisive when the game was in the balance, Mitchell wasn't having a big game, but he came through in the end as stud players, all-star players do, best players in the game. And Mitchell showed who he is for sure. Here is the Jazz postgame show from the victory the other night. True Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Hopefully everybody had a very nice Thanksgiving Wednesday night. The Jazz beat Oklahoma City 110-104. to It was not a big win going away, but they got some big play from Donovan Mitchell down the stretch. Huge game uh, from Rudy Gobert with 15 points, 17 boards, and five block shots. And the Jazz do win over the Thunder, who indeed were missing Shea Gilgis Alexander. But let's get some postgame sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Quinn, uh, what, what are you seeing in the few minutes that you're getting from uh, Trent Forrest in the first half? Um, you know, consistently solid defense. You know, he's usually either makes a play that, that's visible that shows up in the box score, you know, with a block or a steal or something like that. Um, or he just, you know, he makes a play by, you know, being solid. And, uh, you know, those minutes that he's given us, you know, rarely, rarely does he come in and come out when, you know, the, the leads changed hands or anything of that nature. Cause he's just been, you know, look at what he was tonight plus minus, you know, I, that's a lot of times we, I, I always say it's a little deceiving at times, but you know, that's the biggest thing. It's to come in for two or three minutes is, you know, it's a job and it's an important job and, you know, for him to embrace it and have the impact that he's having, you know, it allows us to, you know, to keep Mike fresh for late in the game. Coach, what did you uh, guys see? What did you see in the fourth quarter um, that allowed you guys to ultimately uh, pull away as opposed to, to what you saw? Um, as opposed to some of the stuff that you saw earlier in the game? Well, it, it's ironic, Tony, you say that. Like I, I thought we played as well as we have the entire season offensively, particularly in the first quarter. I mean, the ball was moving. We just we just didn't make shots. I mean, I felt like we could have had a 15, 20-point lead in the first quarter. Um, you know, they converted on a few of those misses. But I, th- this is for us to feel that 
um, to feel that you know the way that we can move the ball um, as unselfish as we were. There was always there's times when we feel like we're too unselfish, but I, you know, that's what we want. And uh, so again, I I thought to to play that way and to continue to play that way. You know, they had a couple. You know, the end of the quarter, um, a couple threes that were you know, improbable, if not tough. Um, and then, you know, we just kept grinding. And sometimes when you're playing the right way and you don't get rewarded for it right away, um, the easy path is to, to change how you're playing. And, you know, that wasn't the case. We, I thought Rudy was a monster late defensively, you know, and Donovan closed the game. And that's a pretty good formula. Very I guess defensively, uh, throughout the majority of the game, how did you feel about the effort? You know, I, I think we're giving effort. There, there's some lapses in concentration. You know, we got cut, back cut a few times. Um, when we're, we're late, you know, sometimes with a, you know, when they're playing, shooting bigs, and we're getting a late switch, if we're not quite back to that guy soon enough where they get a three, or the guy on the help side feels like he needs to help and stunts at the ball, and then we end up getting back cut. Um, that was a couple of situations like that, but I thought our transition defense was better. A um, couple of situations where we just have to be a little more disciplined. Um, but I think our focus and, and our effort was really good. Q, obviously with uh, Hassan's early ejection, that kind of pours you to juggle some things, including a stretch where you had Rudy and Eric as the two primary bigs. What did you see in those situations? Well, that's a different team, obviously, that we haven't um, played with um, this year. Um, I, th I thought, you know, I thought Eric did a really good job being thrown into a situation that, you know, that he hasn't been in before. I thought he competed um, you know, obviously you know, the way that we are built defensively, you know, having that size and rim protection is really, you know, systematically the way that we play. So, um, for those guys to be put in that situation, you know, I think competitively we responded. There's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder, 110 to 104 is your final. The Jazz beat the Oklahoma City Thunder on uh, Wednesday night. Let's get to the players now. Let's uh, start things off with Donovan Mitchell. Hey, Don, I'm, I'm wondering just after that one, how do you feel about the effort and how that game went kind of as a whole? Um, you know, it was a good game. I think, you know, we, we did a lot of good things. Shots, to, I don't think the score reflected, you know, the way we played. As a group, you know, we have some breakdowns, but we did a lot of good things that we can look back on and, you know, and be proud of, especially moving the ball offensively. Um, you know, I think that that's one of the main things to take away. And, you know, they, they made some shots. They, they got some stuff. And for us to close out the way we did is, is you know, what we wanted. But, you know, we did a lot of good things. I think that's the one thing I, I would say I'd take away from that. We did a lot of good things as a group, um, you know, especially in the first quarter. You know, I think that was really, really, it looked really good. Even though shots didn't fall, stuff didn't fall, stuff didn't necessarily go our way. Um, there was a point where it was 12 to 2, and then they hit three straight threes, you know, and then next thing you know, it's 12 11. Um, and they're about to call timeout, or it's Mr. Lab, you know, it would have been 14 to 2. So, like those those little things, you know, they happen in the course of the game, but, you know, uh, we did a lot of good things. Sorry, 
Hey, Don. So Rudy said in his walk-off interview that even, you know, during the times of the game when your shot wasn't falling, he felt like you were making good decisions, that you were moving the ball well. Does sure. that become like a conscious thing you do on a night when, when your shot isn't going in? Or is that just a natural byproduct of just running the offense? Um, I think it's just me just growing over time. Um, honestly, you know, I'm not going to have shot nights where you shoot perfect. You know, it's last night, tonight. You know, it happens. You know, I'm not – I'm not pressed about it. You know, at the end of the day, we have a talented team. So I don't, it's not like, you know, I have to do this every night, you know, I mean, I would love to be able to, you know, continuously shoot well. And then sometimes it's going to happen, but you know, at the end of the day, just being able to find there and make the right reads, that's all I can ask for, you know, go out there and make the right play. You know, sometimes it's putting the ball in the basket. Sometimes it's passing. Sometimes it's guarding. Like maybe it's all in one, you know, but at the end of the day, that's, that's what I've been doing and, and growing into. So, um, that's how I start off every every game, you know, whether the shot goes in or not, you know, just being able to make the right play. Yeah, I think yeah, I think, you know, coming out of a timeout, locking in, I think we gave up start the fourth, I think was, was tough for us. We gave the, the pick and pop, you know, they, they ran a lot of stuff out of that and we hadn't seen pick and pop in a while. Um, like that, that I can remember, you know, and they hit some shots, like I said, they made, they executed well credit to them. Uh, but we got to come out, you know, and be able to not have compounding mistakes. Mistakes are going to happen, but you know, compounding them over time. Like I said, even the first quarter with the 12 to run, you know, I don't contest somebody gets left, you know, like even though we make mistakes, it's not compounding them, especially late. Um, but how we responded, you know, got stops when we needed. You know, that's what we want. Yeah, yeah. The end, shots on falling, but you score six straight. You get your, your own minutes put it back. Mm. Just a determination down the street. You've been a lot of this time. Yeah. Um, honestly, this is what I do. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, you know, the right play, and then sometimes you got to go out there and just get it. Um, you know, I like those shots that I got. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm going to continue to take them. And my team trusts me. I trust myself. Put the work in for those moments and, you know, never let the moment get too big. You know, I missed uh, the game one the other night, so you got to respond, you know, and that, that time I did. Ryan Miller, KSL.com. Hey, Don, um, you guys have had, I think, six ejections now this season. Um, why? <laughs> yeah, why why does that keep happening or if there is a common thread i guess and how hard is it to kind of adjust when that kind of happens uh, i don't know i guess we wake up on the wrong side of the pillow i guess that's the expression someday i don't know but uh i don't know um now that you say it we have been ejected a lot i didn't even i didn't think about it you know um i didn't think Hassan deserved that one i think you know the first one is at the first tech i think We've all seen people say a lot more to get thrown out, especially early, you know, and I, I told Mark that I thought it was, you know, it was real quick, you know, it was real quick, a second one, but you know, at the end of the day, they called the call, but you know, we got to be able to adjust. We had not black one through five in a long time. Um, so, you know, being able to kind of, you know, I'm not saying that was a problem, but being able to do that, run our offense. And then when you have, you know, Eric and Rudy gay coming into a role where they're not necessarily been the five men, um, it's, it's different, but you know, like I said, we were adjusting, getting things figured out and that's part of being a good team, which is figuring things out on the fly, you know, can't prepare for, for that happening, but you know, it happens, you know, um, I would say, I don't, I, I don't think we'll have that again, but I don't, I don't know. You know, I can't, I don't, I don't know if we'll get ejected again. Hope not. I guess I have one more follow up. Aaron 
Hey, Don. So a lot of the kind of problem areas that we've been talking about in recent games, the defensive rebounding, the transition D, the numbers at least looked a lot better tonight. How do you feel like you guys did in those areas? Um, I would agree. I think, I think I, like I said, I think we did a lot of good things, a lot of things well. And, you know, the fact that the game was so close may not reflect that, you know, but we did a lot of things, you know, that we, like, we, like you said, we've been working on and trying to fix got back in transition. We had some mistakes, you know, which happened, but we got back. It wasn't, it wasn't glaring. I guess is what you're getting. That wasn't glaring like it has been in recent games. So um, just continue to, to plug away. Um, that's, that's it, man. It's just continue to plug away and uh, do what we do and be good. There's Donovan Mitchell, 13 points for Donovan, six of 16 shooting one of seven from three, did have five assists and three rebounds, but six points to seal the deal at the end of the fourth quarter. Big buckets uh, from Donovan Mitchell. Uh, let's get uh, now. Let's hear from Jordan Clarkson. The, the question I have is like a lot of teams are switching. Nobody's dropping against you guys. And a lot of teams are switching, doing some of the things that have typically made you uncomfortable in the past as a team. Do you consider that like a good thing in terms of being being able to, to play against some of those styles, styles that you know that you're going to see in the postseason and, and, you know, and frankly have to get better against that style of play. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, we talked about it since uh, training camp, um, you know, attacking those kind of defenses, um, finding all strengths when teams do that. So teams going to continue to keep playing us, uh, you know, that way during the season. It's just prepping us. Uh, it's part of the process, and um, you know what? Um, it's gonna help us get better and help us, uh, you know, figure it out. The best way of learning is, you know, going against it and, um, you know, at live speed and full time to whatever team it is uh, any night. So, uh, you know, we just figuring it out. All right, Eric Walden. Hey, JC. So Quinn said that aside from good shot attempts simply not going in. He felt like tonight was one of the best offensive nights you guys have had all season. Uh, what was working out there for you guys? Um, we was just moving the ball, you know, finding uh, the next open man. You know, a lot of us were passing up. Um, good shots to get great ones. Uh, that's like a cliche statement, but I think honestly we were. Uh, you know, we just we just missed shots early um, throughout the game, but um, you know, that game could have got, you know, really ugly if we, you know, made shots and uh, do what we do. So uh, I think he's correct when he says all that. All right, last question, Andy Larson. Jordan, do you feel like individually you've become a better passer since joining Quinn's system? And if so, how? Uh, Yeah, I mean, my passes is kind of easy. Uh, you know, just trying to find, you know, the next man or the open man. Uh, especially when teams, you know, doubling and uh, blitzing, just making the next pass. And I think our system definitely uh, helps me uh, make those just because we have so many weapons. You know, it's easy to uh, kick it to the next man because you know he's going to make the shot. Uh, you know, like I said, it's just so many of us, so many of us that can make plays and, you know, it makes the game so much easier. There you go. Jordan Clarkson uh, led the team in scoring coming off the bench. 20 points Wednesday night. He also had five assists and three rebounds. The Jazz win 110-104 over the Thunder on Wednesday night. Up next, the Jazz tonight here at Vivint Arena have the New Orleans Pelicans. That game will tip off at 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 6. All right, there you go. That's the Jazz postgame show. Coming up next, the Cougars. 
heading their way down to Southern California to play the USC Trojans as the Cougars shooting for 10 wins and getting themselves in position. Can you think so? Can you imagine it? Is it possible for Newsday Six Bowl? I think it's a long shot, but hey, you never know. See what happens there. Let's hear what we'll hear from uh, Kalani Sitaki. will join us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. After dominating Oregon and winning another South Division title, the Utes will wrap up the regular season with a showdown at Rice-Eccles Stadium against Colorado. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Ute pregame show Friday at 1 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning. Thanks for listening. Kalani Satagi spoke to the media the other day. Here are his comments. Uh, come to the last game of the, uh, of the, the regular season. Uh, looking to finish it strong and um, really excited about the matchup against USC. Tons of athleticism, speed. I mean, just great talent on the field. You see it on film throughout all the games all year long. And, um, you know, it's their senior night, so we're, we're expecting the, their best shot. And I know they're they're um, still playing for bowl eligibility, so there's a lot to play for in this game. Uh, on their end, there's still a lot to play for on our end. It, this is an opportunity for us to get better and to finish the regular season the right way and, and play at our best. And uh, looking forward to doing that. I, th- I think we'll have a good representation out in Southern California. And so looking forward to the matchup, looking forward to the game. We're going to have a lot of fun and, and we have uh, some improvement to make from last week. But coming off the bye week, I thought the guys um, second half played really well. I just want to keep that rolling and, and going into this game. So I'll take any questions you guys may have. Great. We'll start with Alex and then Jared and Mitch. Go ahead, Alex. Coach, good afternoon. Um, you know, you, you guys obviously are playing Thanksgiving weekend, not Thanksgiving day. Um, but I'm kind of curious, like when there's a game scheduled around a holiday like this, how much do you, how much do you kind of as a team take some time to acknowledge each other or kind of, you know, do you have a team dinner or anything like that? Um, seeing as how it's kind of like a holiday weekend and you guys are going to be traveling. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, practice um, Thursday morning and um, and then have our players go to different places. I mean, most of them um, have a place to go, but uh, they're going to be, we want them in, in a setting around family. So they'll be uh, with coaches' families or with their teammates um, and um, just enjoying the, you know, good food and, and good company. And, and there'll be a lot of football to watch over the weekend on, on Thursday. So I know they'll do that. And, it's a good time to just relax and, and to have uh, opportunity to be thankful for a lot of different things that have gone on in their lives. I want them to reflect on that. I, th- I think our players do it um, often anyways. And so it's just good that, that we can dedicate this time to being focused on, on, you know, wonderful things that we have in life. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. But I imagine they'll eat a lot of food and they'll have two days to recover from it. And in terms of... Um this last game of the regular season, you mentioned there are still some things to improve on. Um, 
what are some of the things that you're kind of focusing on in terms of the way that you guys are playing right now? Um, and, and what do you feel like maybe there's still some things to tweak or correct or, or what have you? Well, I don't, I don't want to get too general because it's more specific than anything, you know, but uh, finding ways to have our players play consistently well. And, and that's assignment sound with great fundamentals and great technique. And so um, it's the stuff that we're always, we're always focused on that, but I, I don't want to take away from the majority of the group that's actually doing it right. But this is a great time for us as coaches to, uh, and we've been doing it all year long, but to keep focusing on, on the individual and what they do, what they can do better to improve their game week to week and then um you know when you put all that together should should have some success for you as a a program so um and i hate using a blanket statement to cover everyone when uh, the majority of them are doing well and some some guys have to improve some technique body position others need to improve in in learning their assignments and uh coaches need to improve too so we all have individual improvement to make and collectively as a group it'll it'll make us better as as a team Kalani, gratitude's always been something important to you. And we've talked about it in in times past. And, you know, as we get into this Thanksgiving week, how much does it, how gratifying is it for you to see the boys develop that and develop those skills? You know, just that understanding of the importance of gratitude in their lives. Well, I think it's part of the the values that we have, and then that's the you know humility allows you to to learn. And we've talked about <clears throat> being in a position to increase our our love and our learn for what we do. And so, um, yeah, I think. Uh, you can never say thank you too much. And so I um, want these guys to be focused on that. And, and they are a thankful group. And so uh, they have tons of gratitude the way they've been raised. I just want to keep reminding them why they're here and uh, who they represent. So I, I think uh, it's been, it's been a lot of fun, but I think the world would be a lot better and programs, businesses, a lot of different groups would be better if we just focus on what we're thankful for and, and uh, operate that way. And I, I'm lucky to have, wonderful young men and, and wonderful people in the athletic department that, that are um, focused on being thankful and having a lot of gratitude. I also wanted to ask about health. Um, obviously Peyton Wilgar going down another, another player that you've lost a- any other updates and also what does, what impact does it have? You know, a guy like a Peyton that had been so big for the team. Well, it was a huge impact losing Keenan, um, Keenan Peely and Keenan Ellis, you know, so uh, we're down some starters and, and some uh, valuable experience, leadership. Um, and so the, the leadership still needs to happen. So I, we have guys like James Empey and, and um, you know, and, and, and Keenan Peely, Keenan Ellis are still around available to, to help lead our, our team. But uh, Peyton's going to be the same way. We just had to make a decision on the timing of everything. Um, and this felt like it was right. And then also, I think I mentioned it before that he was just playing with a lot of pain. And um, I mean, how, how much more do you keep making someone do that? And this is the right thing to do. Uh, he, he's more important than, than the game of football to, to us and our program. So uh, we'll do whatever we can to take care of him. And his role's just changing now. He won't be on, on the field Saturday night, but he can have an impact in the game and have, have an influence on our players. Do you have any update on some of the guys like Neil, some of those guys that you were kind of hadn't hadn't uh, specified? Yeah, uh, Neil's still 
um, highly unlikely, unlikely that he's going to play in this game. And uh, same thing with James. Peyton, obviously, not going to play in this game. Um, hoping still for some others that, that, that aren't um, that are still in the mix. So, you know, we, we, we've had to shift around some pieces and, um, you know, what hurt, it hurt having Peyton be out, but, but then, and Keenan, but then all of a sudden our, when, when Max was out for the targeting, now we're down to our depth and um, those guys did well. I think, I think Ben Bywater and Morgan Piper and Drew Jensen, um, those guys filled in really well and, and made some plays and, um, um, you know, we just have to we get Max back, so that'll be good for this game. But um, we're going to go into this this game ready to play, and, and and some young guys, some other guys will have opportunities to to step up. I'm looking forward to seeing them do that. Coach, if you can get it, what would a second consecutive double digit regular season mean to you and your program? Oh, I'm just I'm so focused on trying to get the, the guys ready for the, for being the best they can today, you know, and, and uh, then the, the goal is this Saturday. I'm not really worried about the record or anything like that. Just trying to get our team ready to, to perform at our best and we'll see what happens at the end. But uh, I like our chances if we can do that. That's that's the goal. As you I'm not really worried about overall records and things like that. As you noted, coming in, uh, USC's got a lot of athleticism. The record maybe doesn't highlight um, that, that talent and athleticism. Does it help to have to face a program at the end of the year that's a historic brand uh, to keep your players focused and dialed in and, and uh, to close out the season? No, we, we respect all, all the opponents that we go against. And uh, it's, it's not like we look at a record and then we think any less of someone. The, the focus is for us to be at our best and play at our best. And, and uh, we, we expect to get every opponent, we expect to get their best shot. We're a ranked team. And so it's not like we're, uh, you know, that we're hiding from anybody. Everybody knows what we're about and they see us on film. Uh, and so we, we anticipated going into into that Georgia Southern game, anticipating their best shot, uh, you know, winning for their seniors. They wanted to perform at their best. And, and uh, you know, we didn't do that in the first half. We did that in the second half. And, and grateful we got the win. But the goal here is to, is to focus on the, what we see on film. And that's great athleticism, great talent, and a team that has a lot to play for. And so we're expecting their best shot. We need to make sure that they get ours as well. Okay, we'll have questions from Jay Drew and then Jake. Polani, with uh, obviously you're, it looks like you're he headed to the Independence Bowl, but there's still the outside shot of maybe a New Year's Six game uh, in this college football playoff rankings and how that all pulls into it. Are you talking to your team at all about that? Are you guys spending any time at all even discussing that? What do you think the answer is to that, Jay? <laughs> Probably not, but um, <laughs> if I could rephrase that, then what are okay. the stakes, uh, what are the stakes <laughs> in this game Saturday as opposed as moving forward to your uh, to your possible postseason destination? Yeah, I think the, I mean, I'm gonna go back. I think I I'm always gonna say, and you probably sick of hearing me saying it, but guys, that's what we focus on is is the here and now, and and. Um, you know, I know that everyone wants to talk about um, possibilities and, and, you know, future opponents and things like that. But we're fo focused on this this game and, and this opportunity. Um, 
that's the best way to, to show gratitude is enjoy the moment, enjoy the day. Why, why worry about Tuesday when you have the rest of Monday to, to, to focus on? So um, our goal is to try to be razor sharp and focused and, and, and have this, this vision on taking it day to day with the, the long term goal, which is the game on Saturday night. We're looking forward to seeing a bunch of our fans there and we want to entertain them and, and, and show them a good time. And, and we also want to make sure that we're performing at our best. That's that's the goal. I, I'm my focus as a head coach is to keep these guys, um, you know, just thinking about the game now and thinking about day to day improvement. And then I wanted to ask you about going into the Coliseum. The last time BYU went in 2003, I think was the year after you were a grad assistant uh, there at BYU. I think you had moved on to SUU, but. Um, but obviously you went there as the youth as a, with the youths a lot. What are you going to tell your team about it? What's it like going into that, to that place? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a, a great event, a, a great place for events. And then obviously for, for football, it's, it's a place that the guys are used to seeing on TV and, uh, I want them to embrace the setting. And that's the whole point of showing gratitude, having a good time with it, you know, and, and, and embrace the, the, the opportunity that you have to play in that stadium. And then they'll look around and they'll see a lot of blue and, and they'll see, uh, all the wonderful, they'll, they'll remember all the wonderful athletes and great talent that have been on that field and so uh they can they can add this to their to their list of, of where they play got to play and, and that's it's going to be a lot of fun so that's embrace the moment have fun with it Kalani, can you just give us a scouting report of what you see from USC on film? I know they've had some of their bigger players uh lost for the season like a Drake London the receiver but what do you see from them on film Tons of talent. There's no lack of talent. They're going to be well coached and they'll be ready for this game. They, um, you see all the speed on the on the field. I mean, that's a that's a very talented team and they're well coached. I mean, we they have some some you know former Cougars on their on their staff too. So uh, we we know that that they'll know a little bit more about us and. Um, I know a lot of guys on that staff that I know how they coach and they'll have the guys ready to roll. So I'm, um, you know, uh, the, what you see on film is what you're going to get and, and you're going to get the best of them. And, and we're, we're prepared. We're going to be prepared for that. And also just a- asking you about that, they're a program in transition, looking for a new head coach and all that. How difficult is that? Do you think for guys to be able to understand that this is the last game of the season and their job status is very much up in the air? Well, I think the, the sense of urgency to perform, they know it's coming to an end. I mean, that's how it is everywhere. The, the season's coming to an end and guys want to want to finish strong. That's not just what we're saying. It's every program in, in that's playing college football is saying it right now, you know, so uh, regardless of their record. So the, the, uh, the, the anticipation for us is that we're going to get their best and uh, their best is, is, is really really good and you see it on film when they put it together man they can be very dangerous and, and we have to be prepared for that we, we have to um, plan on that taking place Saturday night we got questions from Alex and then Caleb coach um, a local kid um, now plays at USC Jackson Dart um, he had his first start I think against USC 
last week. Um, it's possible that he plays against you guys on Saturday. I'm curious kind of what you, what you see from him. And, and I think that you guys try to recruit him. Um, so what are the, th- what are the things that, that you kind of might see from, from Jackson Dart in particular um, in terms of how he can affect play on the field? Yeah. Great player. Um, yeah, we, we recruited him and, and he's got a wonderful family. Uh, he's been trained really well. He's got great football IQ, good presence on the field. He can hurt you with his arm and he can run as well. So put that all together and surround him with a with, uh, physical, athletic line and, and capable receivers and, and ball carriers. Uh, they have every bit of our attention and, and knowing that kid and being around him and, and, and talking to him in the recruiting process, he, you know, he'll be ready for this. He's, he's a, he's a big time player. Um, and then looking forward to seeing him, you know, and, and always wishing him the best in every game except for this one. So, uh, but he's a great young man and, and, uh, and a great talent. So it'd be, it'd be, it'd be a lot of fun to, to see him on the field and then to see, you know, our teams compete. Okay, we got time for a question from Mitch. Yeah, Kalani, uh, with recruiting, I know games don't necessarily determine recruiting battles or anything like that, but but next to the state of Utah, is Southern California one of those bigger recruiting grounds for you guys? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a strong um, a membership in the area. And so, um, you know, there happen to be a lot of great players there. Um, that are members and non-members. So the, the, the talent, football talent, is really strong in California. And uh, so we're going to try to find the best players everywhere. We have a good number of our players from the state too and from Southern California. So um, it's a lot of fun when you get to, you know, play in front of the local, uh, you're, you know, for these guys with, with a lot of their friends and families going to be at that game. So it's a lot of fun. And, you know, regionally we're, we're close to them. So, um you know, this will be something that I, I think the guys are really excited about getting back to Cali and playing this game. And last thing, uh, Kalani, what, what do you credit right now in BYU athletics? There's a lot of momentum, a lot of success pretty much around the entire athletic department. What do you credit the the success that's suddenly happening for basically every BYU sport right now? There's a lot of there's a lot of really good things happening from the leadership, um, from the administration, from our president, our vice president, and the administration, our AD. Um, all that stuff is going really. Well. There's great people that are here working and um, you know on, on campus, and uh, they're just and and when you combine that with really really awesome student athletes, uh, your, your teams can have success here at BYU and. Those, those things are really important, but I'm going to have to tell you that the, the number one thing of the fans, that's a common denom- denominator between all the all the sports is that you have this unbelievable support from the fans and from our student section. Uh, that That is, um, it's a huge advantage. I mean, I don't know how many we had in Georgia for that game, but it was above 10,000 and they make a lot of noise and they're, their support is unbelievable. And so I think uh, that doesn't get mentioned enough, but the fan base is unbelievable. And um, I think all the sports want to keep their fans happy. And so we're, we're hoping to, to continue doing that. And as a football program, we're hoping to do that in Southern California on Saturday night. It's going to be a lot of fun. That was Kalani Sataki. Coming up next, what is trending? The 7 o'clock hour is upon us. Thanks for listening here. Get you caught up to date on everything NFL games yesterday. A flag fest 
between the Cowboys and the Raiders. The Raiders get the win, obviously, in overtime. The Saints, man, Saints looked awful. Not awesome. They looked awful. Taysom Hill not playing. What's going on there? All right, we've got all that. All the stuff gets you caught up today. Get the show off and running in the 7 o'clock hour. Stay with us, DJ and PK, right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NFL. O'Donnell to hold. Stretches his hand out. Snap. Placement. Kick by Cairo Santos. It is up. It is good for the win. Get your feast on, Bears fans. Thanksgiving. Turkey and the fixings will never taste any better. Bears get the win. 16-14 on the swing of the right leg of Cairo Santos. Bears win. Fade to black from Detroit. On its way. Yes. The Raiders come up a winner. Upsetting the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving afternoon. 36-33. Josh fires a short one. This one caught. And it is Matt Breida who gets a good block at the 10 to the 5. Touchdown. Matt Breida. Touchdown Buffalo. And the Bills are pouring it on now. Yes, the Bills did pour it on. Thanks for joining us on this Black Friday. I'm PK. DJ has the day off. So it'll be me and the Yak Man running the show as we finally get to see how good we are in radio without our fearless leader, our Hall of Famer, David James Stigledorf III. Hope and it goes we well. see <laughs> We see that the Saints, man, they stink without Drew Brees, huh? What's going on there? Simeon and Winston out. Trevor or Trevor. Taysom Hill didn't get in. Standing there that whole time with that new contract. I guess he get paid even bigger money to play his quarterback, but he didn't. Apparently emergency quarterback only because of his foot injuries, what they were saying. Yeah. That's tough. Tough to watch. That was a snoozer. The other two games are okay. I didn't watch a lot of the Bears Lions. The Bears uh, win that one. Uh, Lions, they're winless or they owe 10 and 1 so far this year. And then the big game, the Raiders and the Dallas Cowboys also OT and settled by a field goal. It's kind of boring that it's settled by a field goal, but that's what they do. All sorts of flags on this. Cowboys, 166 yards in penalties. These, the Raiders, 110. Cowboys, they were each penalized 14 times. That is a ton of penalties going on there. I think the Raiders, uh, we talked to uh, Lincoln Kennedy a couple days ago. They're an analyst, and he was saying that uh, they really, really need to win that game. And they did. They did. Good for them, huh? Yeah, they got it done. I think the Cowboys will still win the NFC East, but the Raiders are just trying to get in the playoffs. Chiefs have sort of uh, rallied back, so my guess is that they win that division. Although the Chargers will have something to say about it, too, so I can't guarantee that. So those were the games yesterday. Games Sunday. Who do you like? Well, let's see. The Sunday night game is Cleveland and Baltimore. Baltimore is a team that has an opportunity to maybe win the conference. Certainly they do, whether they will or not. We'll see. Some other good games. Well, the Buccaneers and Titans, I think. Right? Are they playing? No, Buccaneers and Colts. Buccaneers and Colts. Titans and Patriots. The Patriots established themselves, man. 
So that is uh, a game to watch. How, how good are the Patriots and the Titans? You know, losing, what, to Houston? Uh, Buccaneers and Colts, I already said. Uh, Steelers and Bengals, I like. Uh, see if the uh, Steelers, are they going to be able to win that division? Who's going to win that division? Not sure yet. Uh, your 49ers, Yak, you love the 49ers. The Vikings are playing them. Chargers and Broncos, you know, I, I like the Chargers. I love Herbert. I think he's a star in the making for sure. And then maybe the Rams and Packers uh, with the toe thing that Aaron Rodgers has got going on. And the Rams, you know, they're expected to do big things. And they're in a spot to do good things. I think they're going to make the postseason too. I don't know if they're going to win the division uh, with the Cardinals. Uh, the Cardinals got a game up on them, beat them. Uh, but they're still going to have a lot to say, and especially with their new acquisitions too as they get used to uh, being with the team. So that is your NFL. Let us move on to college. Hashtag Utah State. The Agsters. It's, uh, it's 11 o'clock this morning, isn't it? Yeah. 11 a.m. In, in uh, New Mexico. Now they each have uh, the opposite records. The Aggies are 8-3, and three, and New Mexico's 3-8. and eight. And what is that? That's on Fox Sports 1, is it not? I think it is, right? Yep, correct. Uh, At 11 o'clock. And Scotty, Scott Garrett. You know how you have your program, your uh, numbers program in your phone, and then it'll say when they call? It always says Garrett when he calls (laughs) instead of Gerard. Of course, he is the guy who does the games for the Aggies, and they will be on at 11, but our pregame show on the zone will start right here at 10 o'clock with Scotty G calling out. It's a huge game for the Aggies. Even if they cannot get the division, now they need to win, and then what? Sando State needs to beat Boise. Simple as that. Air Force still has a shot, too. I guess if it's a three-way tie, Air Force is in. Uh, but uh, the Aggies, 9-3 and three is a huge first season for Anderson either way. Even if Boise State should rise up, and uh, I would think Sando State is favored. I haven't checked the line on that, so upset the... Uh, if the uh, game goes for Bay- Boise and San Jose State loses, it's, then it's not a total so what, but it is still something that the Aggies, if they win today, they're 9-3, and three, obviously going to go to a bowl. So that's a great first season. So even if they don't manage to or don't have to get to play in the conference final for the Mountain West, uh, I don't really care about that. Now, if they lose this game, man, to go into the – end of the season with two losses to teams uh, well under 500 in the conference that would be bad but i think they'll win so they don't have to worry about it all right let's move on to byu right now hashtag utah well let's do utah first i wanted byu but yak is a longtime ute fan so that's what he does he goes to to Utah. Or going in sequential order. <laughs> sequential order. Very well. What he means by that is that the uh, Utes play today at 2 p.m. right there at Rice Eccles Stadium, right in our beautiful community. Now, this game is on Fox, right? That's a regular Fox. Correct. And as the Snigster would say, Big Fox, and he's the Hall of Famer, so I need to. Uh, I need to follow him. I'm not in anybody's Hall of Fame. He's. I don't even. What, what Hall of Fame is he in? I don't even know. But he's, he's in the Hall of Fame, uh, is what he told us. Uh, so that's a big game for the Utes in terms of keeping momentum. It's not a big game in terms of next week at this time. When we will be talking about the title game against Colorado this afternoon. Colorado's 4-7. and seven. 
They stink. They should be able to win that game very easily. I would think. Uh, you know, they played down, I guess, to the level against Arizona. Uh, they still got that done. It was a game. I was at that game. It was longer in terms of competition and competitiveness than we expected. But they got the game done, and they got what they needed out of that thing, and they won. So, And I expect the same thing today. Maybe they don't dominate, and I'm okay with that. I don't need them to play their best game today. I need them to play their best game a week from today in Vegas. I'll be down there covering that game. A bunch of us will be down there from the zone looking forward to that. And the U pregame show starts at 1 p.m. right here on the zone. Okay, now we can get on to my BYU Cougars. Hashtag BYU. Number 13, the BYU Cougars. Tomorrow night, 8.30. Wow. Cougar pregame show will be live from JCW's, and it will begin at 7.30. That is a late start, 8.30 on ESPN against the Trojans. Trojans are 4-6. and six. They stink, but I still think they're dangerous. They're dangerous offensively. So if I'm a Cougar and I'm concerned about this game, I understand your level of concern because... Their offense is pretty good, and if you turn the ball over like you did against Boise, it's going to be tough to win. Take care of the ball. Uh, okay. And, Yak, how many starters are B- is BYU missing on defense? They really are down and testing their depth. I can think of five currently. Yeah. Right. And, that, and linebacker, you know, yeah, they're down a couple of guys Keenan there. Keenan and Peyton Wilgar, probably your top two linebackers, are both done for yeah, the year. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, and I think Peely is your top linebacker. He's been gone now for most of the season. Yep. Uh, Wilgar here got hurt late. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of talent to not be playing. So uh, I'd be concerned about those guys there at that particular that position. Then you got some defensive backfield, some up front. So they're beat up. Uh, Trojans have got a bunch of injuries on defense. They're not very good to begin with. I still like BYU. Uh, hope they win. They can get 10-2. and Make it an outside shot at the New Year's Day Bowl. It's a possibility. There's a bunch of things that need to happen. There's so many things that uh, it's pointless to go through them because if I start running through them, you're not going to remember them anyway. 10-2 uh, would be a great season. 10-2, and two, I think, is always a good season no matter what happens. Even if you get stuck playing in the Independence Bowl against some... Uh, what, Sunbelt team or whoever it is, whatever. There you go. I guess you got to deal with that for another year before you move into the Big 12. All right, that is your Cougar report. Let's move on to college football. Hashtag college football. How about this? I watched some of that game because the Saints game was boring to me. Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin, man. You can't count that guy out. Win 10 games for the first time in the program history. They beat Mississippi State. Old Miss is number nine. It was raining if you watch that game. 31-21, Mike Leach going down. Uh, quarterback uh, Corral there. Uh, 283 yards, a couple of TDs. Good for them. Uh, having that opportunity to win that uh, 10 games. It's a significant uh, milestone for the program for sure. All right, uh, tomorrow. Now, we've got some games today, right? Who yes, are we do. big games today? We got, uh, I already mentioned uh, the two locals playing, uh, what, Boise State and San Diego State. That's at 10 o'clock. 
10 a.m., 9 a.m. there in San Diego. Yeah, well, and even more important, 9 a.m. in Carson. There you go. Where the game's going to be in play. Yeah, I forget that they're not <laughs> playing in San Diego, whatever. And 9 a.m. in Encinitas, too. All the way up the coast as you go. Uh, wherever wherever you are in California. Yeah, that's early. And that's going to be on CBS, regular CBS, right? Isn't that true? Yep, big CBS. Yeah, big CBS. I'm not used to big CBS. I'm used to big Fox, but uh, big CBS. Well, um, yeah, we're going to watch that game. I know I know the Snickster is going to be all excited because he's still a fanboy and, and wants his uh, Aztecs to have an opportunity to win that division and then win the conference and they got a good football team this year there's no doubt about it and we'll see they're ranked 21st Boise it's funny but the uh, even even when they're not in their one of their better teams seems like they're still at least in the division anyway the team to beat you know what I mean yeah this is not one of their illustrious years and they've had a lot of them but still, they have an opportunity, even in what we would consider a down year, to win the division. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Cincinnati is playing East Carolina at uh, 1.30. Cincinnati obviously trying to continue to get going to be able to be in the playoff. I hope they win. I would love to see them be in the playoff. I'm excited for them to get in because of who they represent with the little guy and all that stuff, right? And that's on ABC. Uh, Arkansas is also a ranked team playing in Missouri. Uh, and then we already mentioned the Utes. Obviously, Air Force, well, they're going to play UNLV. They're going to play them. Uh, that's on the CBS Sports Network. And they're at home, so I expect them to win over UNLV. Obviously, the Utes to win. And then uh, 6 o'clock on Fox, what's it, Fox Sports 1, is that what we call it? Uh, Washington and Washington State. Now, Washington State has an opportunity to win the division. Uh, hope they don't do it, because I think for the Utes, and for the Pac-12, I think they really need Oregon in there. Really need Oregon, uh, because what's Oregon's ranked 11th, and you don't want... Washington State, come on, it's all going to be about their coaches and the vaccine, and if Oregon State should win, and that's tomorrow at 1.30... But if Oregon State, Oregon State lost to Colorado. I can't give them any respect losing to Colorado. Just can't do it. So I think for the Utes and the Pac-12, you want Oregon to win. That's tomorrow at 1.30, as I said. And then, of course, the big game tomorrow at 10 o'clock our time on Big Fox is Ohio State and Michigan. That's number two versus number five. That's the overwhelming big game, right? I don't think anybody would argue on that. Uh, looking through a bunch of other games, a bunch of rivalry games that are going on tomorrow. Uh, so have fun. The next two days with college football, it's a big, big deal for sure. Uh, some other news, Texas Tech coach Joey McGuire, and his name Sonny Cumbry. He is the interim head coach in OC, right? He'll be retained as offensive yep. coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Good for him. Now, he played there, if you remember. Uh, and then we also got West Point Cadets attempting to nab the U.S. Naval Academy's mascot ahead of the annual Army-Navy game. Ended up, de- 
grabbing a different goat? What the, what the heck is that story, Yak? What does that mean? They grabbed the wrong goat. They went to the farm apparently near Annapolis where they keep these goats. Bill is the name of the goat. It's a long line. They named it. So Bill number 37 apparently is the current mascot. <laughs> they happened to grab Bill number 34 who has been retired for 14 years and only has one horn apparently. Okay. And also, the one other thing about this is these cadets, um, this has been kind of, it used to be a thing they used to do all the time back in the day, but since the ni- early 1990s, nabbing the uh, mascots, the live mascots for these schools actually been off limits, so these cadets are actually in hot water. Hot water, yeah. Well, there you go. What's that, in two weeks, that game? Yep, December 11th. Yeah, yeah I, I always watch that. Uh, feel like it's a sense of duty to pay attention to that game. Even if the teams aren't very good, Navy's struggled this year for sure. All right, that is your college football. Let's move on to the NBA. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Jazz get the win Wednesday night. Now, they only won by six. Interestingly enough, Donovan Mitchell quiet the whole game and then in the last minute scores six. And they win by six over Oklahoma City. So, there you go. Clarkson. 20 points they much needed it and they got the win they're 12 and 6 that's all that matters now they've got the new orleans pelicans who are only 4 and 16 they really stink they got them tonight and tomorrow both games seven o'clock both games in the arena here in town obviously uh both nights with we being the flagship station of the jazz the zone pregame coverage starts an hour earlier so that's at six o'clock tonight Six o'clock tomorrow night. Jazz did what they needed to do. That's all that matters. They won. And these aren't very good teams that they're playing right now. So that even makes it more important to win. Because you don't want to be losing to bad teams. And they went on the road. They got the win. So good for them. That's what counts. All right. Let's move on. Hashtag NBA. So I saw this last night. Marcus Gasol, 36 years old. Garona, is that how you said it? Now, he founded that club. It's a second division in Spain, and he'll play. And then he'll decide if he, she, if he should retire. Uh, so uh, we'll see uh, how that goes. I would think he'd probably retire. It looked like he was, uh, metaphorically speaking, on his last legs when he was playing with the Lakers. What was it, last year? Last couple years. And then Clay Thompson talking about how he's not sure when he's going to return, but he practiced fully with the team. Now he's had all sorts of injuries, right? Double injuries to the leg. So he comes back, uh, and they're they're rolling. What are they? What's their record? Like 14-2? and two? Uh, they are Some bad effect. Yeah, yeah, they're just kicking butt big time. Yeah, actually 16-2. and two. And the Suns, man, the Suns haven't lost in so long now. Their streaks, what, their streaks like 13 games in a row something like that and the jazz are sitting there in third place four games behind the warriors three games behind the suns so adds to the level of importance that they uh, as far as uh, why they need to get going all sorts of games today a bunch of games uh it's probably about uh, 12 13 games I already mentioned the jazz and uh, big games in the nba they're all sort of the same at this point in the regular season uh, Clippers. Clippers playing an afternoon game. That's sort of cool. Phoenix is at New York. And the Suns, uh, that uh, that team is really, really hot. See if they can continue. Okay, that's your NBA right here on The Zone. 
Hashtag college basketball. College hoop de doo. Well, the Cougars five and zero beat Texas Southern. Lucas had eighteen points. SUU top Bowling Green and UVU five and one. Let's give a shout out to the Wolverines five and one. They down Nichols 74-63. Five and one. You gotta like that. Some games tomorrow. You got UVU is hosting Denver. That's at three o'clock. The Aggies four and one. They'll take on a Texas Arlington. That at seven o'clock. That'll be on twelve eighty uh, the zone. Weber. Weber's undefeated, man. They're in state to play Dixie at 7 o'clock. And then there's sort of a big game. BYU, 5-0. Utah, 5-0. Tomorrow, 7-30 on the Pac-12 Network at the Huntsman Center. Man, I wish they wouldn't have played this tomorrow. Right in the middle of all the college football going on and NBA basketball, the Jazz playing, and they got to play this game. I don't understand why they're playing it on Saturday. Uh, I know with the conference schedule, uh, the Pac-12 is playing a couple of conference games here next week, and then they play some non-conference, and then uh, then they start up conference again. But I wish it wouldn't have been tomorrow night. It's going to be hard. To, I'll have it on my computer because I want to watch it, but I uh, also got football, got the Jazz, got BYU, a lot of stuff going on. So that's your college basketball right here on the Zone Sports Network. Hashtag RSL. Our RSL. Our Real Salt Lake. Sporting KC. Tomorrow afternoon, 1 o'clock, ABC. This is the Western Conference semifinal. The other side has already been decided. Portland upsetting L.A. So the winner of this game, the winner of this match, can we call it, uh, did I say L.A.? Yeah. I was thinking the Colorado Rapids had the best record in the division, did they not? Correct. Or conference, I should say. Uh, Yeah, and they got that win. And that's. I guess that was an upset. It was. I don't know what the soccer lines are. But if you just go by the seeds, uh, RSL can win the conference and not play a home game, I guess, because that thing would be at Portland, right? Yep. Uh, Yeah. So good luck to them. It would be fun to see them do it. That's tomorrow. You can watch it. One o'clock, ABC. All right, that what that is what is trending, and it's brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There is no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. You can call them at 801-295-1690. 295-1690. That is Shamrock Plumbing. All right, here's the lineup for today. Eight o'clock. We're gonna have Locke talking all things jazz, right? Joe Wiggles, I guess he's going to try to be on. Is that what you're telling me? I just got word 840. All right. Game day. He doesn't miss a week. Nope. Even on game day. Obviously, they're playing tonight. And then Ryan Abraham, who is the insider for the Trojans. See what's going on with them. Be joining us at 930. Stay with us, man. College football, NBA, pro football, Cougars. Opportunity to go 5-0. and How big of a deal is it? Stay with us. We'll get to that next. The new zone lineup is here with the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10, followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hanson Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6, live and local. 
all day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. All right, hot takes. Not hot cakes. Hot takes or toast. What are you eating this morning? It's brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Utah Facial Plastics. Are you losing your hair? Well, it's 2021. You don't have to. Come on. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. All you got to do is text HAIR, H-A-I-R, to 801-960-3137. You get 15% off any hair loss treatment, or you can visit www.utahhairmd.com. Utah Hair md.com all right all you byu entrepreneurs how you hanging on where are you this morning are you in san bernardino on your way cougars get an opportunity to get 10 wins Gi 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 gigantic if you win this ball game you will have the best record in the state guaranteed and how about this what means more to BYU fans? Ten wins, which is a great number, or going five and Zipola in the conference of champions, the Pac-12. Five and zero. How cool would that be? Because obviously, man, you are never, ever going to play five Pac-12 teams again in a single season. Can we not say that? Can we not say that, Yak? This will be the fairly only time. That, yeah. Yes. And there's some massive merger that is unforeseen. But by the time that comes, you know what will be the status of all of us? We'll be dead. So what difference does it make? Right? Jeez. Downer <laughs> right there. You got to die, man. Why is that a downer? You people believe in life, love forever. I thought that's a good thing. I'm Not still a bad young. thing. Let me live my life. Well, the point is, and they're going in the Big 12 the year after next, and I think that's a solid, solid conference. So and there may be some other realignments that are unforeseen, probably will be at some point. But I don't think – I think that the Big 12 at that point, it's hard to say, but I think that the Big 12, I could argue, might be its most solidified that it's been in years Right. Because that conference for being in what wasn't we didn't recognize it as a power five. That wasn't a phrase until a few years back. But that conference has been the most in flux. And, you know, a few years back, it was in danger of going away. And then we know what happened last summer with the big news with Oklahoma and Texas taking off to the SEC sometime between now and the next four years. Uh, and so what was going to happen? Well, I think the additions has really solidified the conference. And I think now, could be wrong, obviously, but I think right now, once these schools all get in in the next uh, two to three years, that it'll be a, an extremely stable conference, I believe. So I don't see BYU ever. They probably won't even play two Pac-12 teams in a, in a given season. 
I guess maybe with a bowl game, you can't uh, say that. So they could have a non-conference and then maybe in the bowl. But I don't see it in the regular season. And they got five this year. I think going 5-0 and oh is gigantic. I really do. Because it'll be interesting to see as they go forward how and if the recruiting for the Cougars changes. Right? Do they start to migrate more east? I, I don't think so. I think the conference recruiting or the BYU recruiting will always, the stronghold that it is now will continue to be. And what I mean by that is obviously the LDS factor. And where are those folks population base? Well, it's in the West. So going 5-0 and in the conference where the majority of your kids live, I think it's important. I think it's a big deal. And, you know, you can't rely on it. Oh, we went 5-0 and three years from now. We went 5-0 and three years ago. I understand that. But I think you can get a surge now. And plus, I think, too, even in the areas of the Big 12, they still know about the Pac-12. And you say, hey, the one time we played what would be so-called a big or a Pac-12 schedule, so to speak, we went 5-0. and So I think this game tomorrow night is huge for them on multiple levels. I mean, I can argue that going 5-0 and is more important than going 10-2. and 4-1 <clears throat> and against the conference isn't bad by any stretch. But 5-0 and is big time. And keep the momentum going. So what do you think, man? Going 5-0, and what does that mean? How important is that to all our BYU fans participating in Black Friday this morning? We put the question up on Facebook. Uh, and Oh, Frank says nothing. Frank's got to be a U, doesn't he, Yuck? Nothing? I disagree 100%. Andrew, at this point, not a lot? Come on! I disagree completely. It's huge. Isn't the Hatch household and the extended Hatch household going to go berserk if they go 5-0 and in the Pac-12? Going hog wild. Let's go. <laughs> Some BYU entrepreneur has got to make stickers that you can put on your car to say 5-0 and in the Pac-12, right? Uh, you'd, ten- you'd think so, yes. A decade ago, they took uh, pleasure Utah fans in running Pac-12 stickers all over their car. Come on, 5-0. and uh, I, think that, I think that means a lot. Clint, liberalism makes the legs weak. What does that mean? What's that have to do with BYU am, going five and zero in the Pac twelve? Yeah, I don't know what that is even referring to. <laughs> I, I don't think the Pac twelve, maybe philosophically speaking, as a conference, but everyone's got uh, whatever side of the aisle you're on in your school in your program. Fans, Jake, absolutely nothing. That's BS, man. I, no, no. I think it's a big, big deal. Oh, Mike Youngberg. It's funny. I love the rivalry. The Big 12 without Oklahoma and Texas is the same as the Mountain West talent. The league is dead. How many Big 12 teams, counting the new Big 12, are in the college football rankings right now? How many do we got, Yak? believe you include the new ones i think it's five ranked teams 
Right. So five of the 12 are in the college football playoff. One of which is in the college football playoff field currently, thanks to Cincinnati. Yes. That, that is just not true. That, that's, that is dumb. That's ignorant and that's dumb. That's a, I, I get it, the rivalry, so you're trying to minimize the Cougars. But I could argue, can I not argue right now that this football program, uh, even in all time, can I not argue that this football program right now is the strongest it's ever been? It's in the best position it's ever been. Even better than those annual uh, 10 and 1, 11 and 1 seasons, and then they had the one season in 84 that we all know about. Can I not argue that it is in the best position it's ever been? I think I can. It's right up there. Yeah. Going into this league, this league is extremely strong. Five teams counting. They're not Big 12 now, but Cincinnati and BYU are going in, obviously. Come on. That's wrong. Houston. Houston's having an excellent season. I disagree with you guys. Uh, to, to me, and I'm a Pac-12 homer, this league is on par with the Pac-12 right now today. When we, Maybe in two years uh, when it starts. Uh, that's another story. Three years when all the teams get in. Man, it seems like a long time from now. I wish that they could get going as soon as possible, but they got to wait. Uh, I disagree. I disagree that this is nothing, that this league isn't good. I think it's a, an excellent league. Michael was kind of overshadowed by all the other success the athletic department is experiencing this fall. Uh, I, I disagree on that, too. I think football's where it's at. And it's great that the soccer and the volleyball and the cross country. But outside of those people who are paid by BYU to promote BYU and outside of the family members, which is important to them, I get it. Uh, it's all about football right now. Now, if these teams, uh, like uh, their volleyball and soccer, women's volleyball went through the West Coast undefeated, soccer's yep. in the Elite Eight. Yep. Yeah, if you if you win the national title, that's a big, big deal. And we'll see what volleyball gets doing gets done here get, because the NCAA starts up. Uh, Utah and BYU women's volleyball programs are very, very good. And so if you can advance, I mean, that's a big deal. If you, the more success you have in the conference, I don't downgrade it by any stretch because those people, men or women, whoever they might be, they're working just as hard. They're putting in just as much time. It matters just as much to them. I understand all that. I respect it dear greatly, the amount of effort and work that they've got to put in to put themselves. Those coaches are doing phenomenal jobs to build programs. It's not easy. You just don't roll out the balls. It is a lot of work to get to where they're at. I get all that. And I appreciate it and respect it. Football's where it's at. Uh, we all know that. And right now, for the Cougar football program, it is rolling, 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 rolling for sure. They get this win tomorrow, five and zero in the conference. That would be way cool. Particularly, as I said, you're never going to be able to say that again. Uh, be interesting to see what the uh, what Tom Homo does as far as the rest of the schedules in the coming years. Who stays? Who goes? We know they got Notre Dame next year. Next year doesn't really count because they'll be all independent games. But what they come up with, how much they'll play some of these teams. I would still like them to play as many Pac-12 teams as they can, but I understand if you only have three or four non-conference games, what you'll be doing on that. 
So I think it's huge to go 5-0. and And plus, uh, I don't know. If, if it's 4-1 one, one versus the Pac-12, can the Pac-12 save face by having SC beat BYU tomorrow night? I think to an extent it can. That's why, man, I think SC is, is wounded. They're really wounded. Now they know if they don't win tomorrow and if they don't beat Cal next week, they will literally finish under 500. Man, those guys don't want that. They don't want that at all. Uh, that's why this game, from the BYU perspective, it's got me a little nervous. Uh, got me a little nervous there. I think so. I'd be a little bit. I'm concerned about this game from the Cougar perspective. I'm not concerned about this game from the Utah perspective here later today. Not at all. I have zero. I'm I'm slightly concerned about Utah State, slightly. I'm concerned legitimately for BYU. I have no concern about the Utes. We'll get to that. Stay with us next right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. The Cougars hit the road for their final game of the regular season as they look to stay undefeated against Pac-12 opponents with a game in the Coliseum against USC. Catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday with the postgame show immediately following the game. Monday morning to the post-game press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Cafe Rio, come join Unrivaled at the new City Creek Cafe Rio. City Creek Cafe Rio. Now, this location, join them there. And when to join them? Well, let me tell you when to join them. It is November 30th from 3 to 6. You can get your Cafe Rio favorites now at City Creek Center. My wife loves her some Cafe Rio. I could get her gift cards from Cafe Rio for Christmas, and she'd be a happy camper. So join Alex and Scott November 30th. And join the Utes today. What's today, the 26th? Join them up at Rice Eccles. Are they going to lose? No way. I promise you, is this the guarantee of all guarantees? What's your level of confidence, Ute fans? 99.9%? Is that too low? I would be stunned if they lost this game. Absolutely stinking stunned. There's no way they're going to lose this game. It's senior day. They've got to send the seniors out right, don't they? How many times have they lost to Colorado on senior day? Once? When they first joined the conference? Is that it? That's what's great about having Colorado on senior day. Now, not every year is going to play on senior day because it's got to be the home game, so the most it's going to be is every other year. But having them on senior day, they stink. This is going to be a blowout Interesting to see how much of a blowout is it. 30 points, 20 points, 25 points. I'm saying at least 25 points. Look what they used did to Stanford. Look what they did to Oregon. They just ran them off the field, man. Uh, in the second half against uh, the Sun Devils, were they down 21-7 to at halftime? They smoked them in the second half. 
it's funny, but the last several weeks, the only game that's mattered in terms of getting in the fourth quarter and having to be competitive, what was it, Arizona? <laughs> that's crazy to think about, but yet that's where they were. Uh, I think they roll. I think they roll easily. They may lose the Rose Bowl, but I don't think they're going to lose next week, and I don't think they're certainly – I don't think that they're going to lose today. Uh, so what's that? That would move them to 9-3. and three. Yeah, I think they got an easy time. I think they'll continue to move up the rankings. They've really put it together. They're really playing well. There's just no other way that I could think about it. I, I, I can't see any other way. Uh, as much as I'd love to see a competitive game, I don't. And I think it's important, too, to get some of the younger dudes in there, uh, maybe even get Cam Rising out. Uh, you know, Fortunately, he's been healthy since he's been the starter this year, but we know what happened last year. He got hurt, and he got hurt early. So you need to get going there, get some other guys some experience. This is going to be a celebration today. I'm glad it's in the afternoon, not playing it at late at night. Have it be right there at 2 o'clock. Weather should be decent enough, should be a sold-out crowd. It's a great opportunity to just celebrate Utah football, get them rolling, set them up for next week in what would then be obviously the biggest game in the program history for the opportunity to get to the Rose Bowl. Uh, but like Kyle says, we'll worry about that next week. Plenty of time to worry about, especially since you don't even know who you're going to play. That will be determined tomorrow. Uh, with uh, I think Oregon is going to win that game. So we'll see how that goes. Exciting times for University of Utah football uh, as long as they take care of business today, which I think they will. And then next week, I still uh, doesn't really matter to me who they'll play, but I think they'll take care of business. And then this program has really set themselves up to be really, really good. Did you see, Yacht, did, did I tell you this, uh, that Wilner, the San Jose guy, says that if uh, – the Utes go to the Rose Bowl that Kyle's done. Yeah, I saw it. Did we talk about this? I don't know that we l- talked about it. We talked about it a little bit, but not super in-depth. And I, I think I w- all of us have heard rumors, but it just seems premature. That he'd be done this year? Yeah. Why Why would he be done? Yeah, I, I don't know. What What's the uh, rationalization of being done this year now? He's only 62. He just turned it Sunday. It's not even a week old. I mean, that's that's not that old uh, as far as that goes. And I, I had people saying a lack of energy and all that. I, I don't know that I necessarily see that. The results don't show it. The results are not showing it at all. I mean, do, you, do I need somebody to jump up and down and do stuff on the sidelines and all? You know, is it just about a case of mellowing out as you've gotten older, or is it a lack of energy? I think it's more of mellowing out in the game, let it play as it plays, rather than a lack of energy. I don't personally see it. I think the other stuff can wear on you for sure, all the stuff that you got to do. It's a hard job. I get all that. But... I'm not seeing it. I could be wrong, man. He hasn't told me I'm going to retire today, tomorrow, whenever. I haven't heard it. Uh, I know it's there. I know he doesn't want to coach long. But other than that, why wouldn't you come back? This team has got an opportunity to be really good this year, and it is good this year. It's got an opportunity to be good next year. 
So my guess, and that's all it is, is that no, no retirement this year. He comes back and plays next year, and then maybe, or not play, but coach. But then next year, then we, then we see where it's at, right? That's what I think. That's what I'm going with. Uh, program's rolling, man. Set it up some more. Get going. And I, I, but, but one thing I did want to say is that I can see in, in the argument of him stepping aside now, I don't think it will happen, but I, the argument that I can see that can be made, I think it's important for him to leave the program in great shape. So whoever's going to take over, if it's Scally or whomever it might be, even Kalani, I don't know, whoever it might be, whenever that time comes, that that person has an opportunity for success. So, And I think that's important to Kyle, that when he does step aside, that the next coach should step right in and the program can keep going at a high level. That's the way I see it. What I do see now, we want to talk some jazz because David Locke is coming up in the next segment. So stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Welcome back in. Thanks for joining us, DJ and PK. DJ's off today, spending some quality time with the fam. I'm PK running the show. The whole gang will be back together on a Monday morning, at which time we'll be talking about a lot of wins. I think 3-0 in football. And the Jazz got an opportunity to go 2-0 this weekend. They got tonight against the Pelicans and tomorrow night against the Pelicans. And both of them are at home. Pelicans 4-16. and 16. They Got to win. I mean, they're not must-wins for postseason or anything about that. But you don't want to be losing to these inferior teams, particularly as we see how the Suns and Warriors, man, Suns won like 14 in a row. Warriors 16-2. and two. Don't want to fall too far behind, do you? No, I don't think so. I think you want to get going. And continue get going, get on a little bit of a streak yourselves, man. I'm still waiting. I've been talking about this with DJ for a couple of weeks now. I'm still waiting on a 20 game stretch for them to go 17 and three. The talents there, uh, no reason why they don't. Just really zero reason uh, for them. That ball game the other night, uh, what Wednesday against Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City playing without Alexander, their best player. And it still went down to the wire. Does that give you concern? Down to the wire without their best player? Eh, not so much. To me, they won. Okay, joining us now is David Locke. He comes to us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner. Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333, And as always, Locke's weekly interview is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. Mr. Locke, how the heck are you on this Thanksgiving Friday? I'm a happy person, so... Oh, was I not on yet? You are now. I said, I am great because I got to ski yesterday, and I'm a very, very simple person. And if I get to ski, I'm very happy. How was it up there? How are the conditions? Um, I was stunned. Alta's actually really good. I um, I actually had kind of a funny day planned. I, I was flying solo for Thanksgiving. My 
wife and daughter are in uh, California and my son is training in Maine. So um, there was no friends for David. So um, I was like, you know what? I'll just go and ski Alpha for a few runs, make sure my pass works, go to Solitude, ski a few runs, make sure my pass works, come home to Park City, take a few runs, make sure my pass works. It'll be fun. I'll ski three resorts. It'll be kind of something different. That was like my grand plan. I got to Alpha. It was like legitimately good. And so I never left. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So that changed the day a little bit. It was great. Um, snow was good. Snow was soft. Snow was so yeah. I'm happy. All good. How are you, PK? No one's listening to us. No one's listening to us. It's like unless they're out (laughs) Black Friday shopping already. Like seriously, let's be honest. Like the only people listening to this show today are going to be people that are listening as a uh, on the podcast version of it of some sort, right? Like okay. No one else is really up at eight o'clock this morning, so you and I can just hang out. We can update each other on our lives. I can find out how you really are, all that good stuff. <laughs> I'm coming along, still trying to fool them uh, from the last time I was on the radio. <laughs> Continue you, you're pretty good do- at fooling, though. Actually, either, <laughs> you know, either one of two things, by the way. Either you're really good at fooling people, or you're actually just pretty good. I don't know. It's interesting to me. You you might have to give up on this whole, like, I I hate to tell you this, but the whole bit about being not very good and fooling them, like, you might have to give up on that. Like, it's been a long time. It has been a long time. So, Uh, like, the implication of fooling people, at this point, you've made a lot of fools. So you might want to just go back to the old TK, which is like, I'm beeping awesome. Screw you. I'm taking names and I'm the best. <laughs> okay. I'll give that a shot. Uh, but, okay. but for me, sports has always been interesting because did you, did you happen to see that Nick Saban rant that he did? I think it was uh Wednesday. On no. his, uh, uh, he went off on basically fans making too big of a deal about this. And it's out there. You can said, look it up. Said by, the guy, said by the guy making $9 million a year. I know. I know. I know. But, you know, he was trying to bring it back that these are college kids and, oh, and all this stuff. And, and we see it. We see it every year, every sport, all the time. People get almost to the point of two into it. And I've... I love sports. It's my number one hobby by far. It's how I was struggling as a kid to learn to read. And uh, my aunt, who was a teacher, she was a nun. She was a teacher. She told my mother, give him sports books to read. He loves sports. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm five, six years old and they already knew. So they bought me all these sports books. I, I, I remember like doing a, a uh, book report on Willie Mays. Right. And even though he was done playing, he became my favorite player. So I, I was obsessed by sports. But yet I've rarely been obsessed by the outcome of sports. And I think that's what Saban was talking about, that try to find perspective. And we see it sometimes with fan behavior, and we see this yelling, and the Jazz have had it, not that their, their fan base is unique in that regard, but they've t- think people have taken things over the top. 
And for whatever reason, I've never taken results over the top. I love the competition of it all, enjoy it, but don't obsess about the results of it. So I think that's where I fool people because of most of our listeners, they're obsessed with the Utes, the Cougars, the Aggies, the Jazz. You know what I'm talking about? All right, so I got a bunch of thoughts on this. Let's start with the first one. Nick Saban, take your $9 million and shut up. <laughs> like, a lot of people can have this conversation about it, and I think it's a va- worthwhile conversation, but Nick Saban's not one of them. Right? Okay. Like, when you bank your $9 million because of the obsession, don't complain about it. Like, it's True. really ridiculous. It's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. And what it really is, is I want to sit in my glass house with my $9 million a year, and the minute you criticize me, you're obsessed. That's what that is from Nick Saban. So that's got to go. Like, you can praise me, praise me, praise me, show parades to me, buy me dinner, give me cars, do don't criticize me, now you're obsessed. That's what that is from Nick Saban. Let's be perfectly clear. Now, the next item is actually not a sports issue, it's a life issue, right? We're, we obsess with our politics. We obsess, in some ways, with our music. We obsess with our stars, our Kardashians. We obsess with our athletes. Like, that's human existence, I think, is trying desperately and consistently to find identity. And the world's not great on us. This is probably deeper than you wanted, but it's where I am this morning. Um, The world's not particularly easy for us to find our identity in the midst of all that's going on. And so we use these outside vehicles for identity. And, And a great example of this is if you've read any studies, and we're seeing it right now, frankly, with the vaccine, So for those people that have made their identity right now, this is not a, well, I can, I'll criticize you for that some other time, but this is not a criticism of that. For those people who have not taken the vaccine right now, they've put their flag in the ground on this. This has become, there's actually, the studies show, no information that you can give these people to change their opinion. To me, this is actually no different than Penn State football. I can't imagine how anyone can support Penn State football. They literally allowed a child abuser to exist in their offices knowingly and willingly in the name of having a good defense for a decade. And you're going to wear a Penn State sweatshirt to a football game? Seriously? Right? Right? Like, this is the same concept, that once you put a flag in the ground as your identity, as a human, it's almost impossible to get someone to bend. I, we can do I can offend everyone here, because this isn't like a criticism, people. This is a statement of fact. I mean, frankly, if you're Catholic, right? I mean, it's pretty hard to imagine what's gone on in the Catholic Church, and you're still following it. The same thing for, frankly, every church. And the same thing for every political party in the state. But yet we, those, like, you know it, PK. You know every single time you have a controversial topic on the air, someone's fandom will dictate where they are on the issue. It'll have nothing to do with the issue. It's, oh, I'm a you, so I'm going to brutalize that kid who transferred earlier this year. That had nothing to do with the issue of whether you had the right to transfer. It was that he hurt the youths. So when you line up your personal identity 
which is, again, this is why, because society is brutal and it's hard, and finding who you are is really, really hard, and that's what you then use. You're not willing to bend, and so that's where the obsession comes from. I did wrap this all the way around. This was coming to the same place. And so that's, that's where this comes from. It's not sports. It's not, again, Nick Saban shouldn't be the one. It's just life. It's just hard. Then how come I never bought into that? So it's so funny. I was thinking about it. My wife never did either. So, um, I mean, how much do you want me to play Dr. Phil on you right now? <laughs> I mean, I can you. do it. Like, I know you pretty damn well. <laughs> like, all right, you ready? You went through some tumultuous early years. You found your identity a little bit with an item in your life that you added. And then this had more tumultuous things that kind of bounced you around, but because you had that grounding, you've had, you've known what's important to you and who you are. And that's been your identity rather than these things. I would also say, if I'm really playing Dr. Phil, this show is your identity. And so that gives you're fortunate in life that you have a job and an existence that gives you a value identity. Most people don't have that. Like my identity is clearly now part of being a play-by-play announcer and uh-huh. calling games and doing that. And that's part of who I am. And if I didn't have that, then I would probably be on the same search that a lot of other people are. And so for those of us that actually have a grounding and are fortunate enough to have a life and an existence that is beyond, you know, abnormal that you have either positively or negatively an identity out of your work, ideally it's out of your family, but most people don't get that. They need something else then you don't probably fall as you're not as susceptible to it. I mean, we can, you know, movements in society and in all societies, you're really like just into my sociology, political science today. Wow. You know, look what happens when I have Thanksgiving by myself and don't have anyone to talk to for like (laughs) 10 hours yesterday. Uh, I mean, I literally like was by myself all day yesterday. Now you ask me two questions, but I won't shut up. I feel sorry. I'm going to the gym right now. I feel sorry for the people in the gym. I'm going to be like that little obnoxious little pain in the ass. Hey, how are you? What's going on? Hey, how's your workout going? What's your name? Where do you work? Um, but, right, like if you look at any movement, the movements, the most movements come out of the elite leading the non-elite in because the non-elite need identity. I mean, Trumpism is identity. There's no question that's given people identity. And somebody who's on their side and rooting for them when, and doing, you know, and they believe that they're, he's doing things for them when the rest of society has forgotten them. That's the, major, that's the majority of Trumpism. It's the same thing if you look at every major movement and revolution anywhere. Hitler is the exact same thing. You know, the Germans have been torn apart by the Treaty of Versailles and they don't have any identity and they've been ripped away in their strength and he gives them personal identity and natural national pride with all the wrong reasons, but that's what why people fell for it and because it gave them that identity. So it's, it, this is all the same thing. Like, it's tribalism. It's, that's Joseph Campbell, power of myth. Like, how far do you want me to go, PK? I'm on right now. <laughs> You're going. You're going. Okay. How about this? Uh, how legitimate are the Suns and Warriors? Neither of us played a particularly strong schedule. I think the Suns have a real background that shows that they're legitimate. Um, they really, you know, they have some basic offensive sets that are unguardable that they run, that, you know, same way we do. Um, so they're really legit. I mean, I think they were legit last year. I think they're legit this year. They're, they've got a collective identity. There was going to be the big question to me on them was whether Chris Paul wore them out 
Um, he's worn out every team he's ever been with. That clearly is not the case with them. So to their credit, I do think that the Dario Sarge, Frank Kaminsky injury combo will eventually come together. I know that sounds weird, but they're backup center. They were able to play some stretch five and they've lost that ability. They no longer have the personnel to, to spread five wide. So they actually, for us, have become a decent matchup because um, they can't do what to us what they need to do. And I think that's important. Um, Steph is a revolutionary player. There's just like, we still don't get it. We still haven't realized how great he is. Um, I think we might go back in time and really regret that we didn't quite get it because he's really changed the entire game. Uh, his constant movement makes their entire team uh, unguardable. Um, he's not playing with particularly good players. Right? Draymond's really special, but like he can't shoot. Like he's really special. Don't misunderstand. But like the other guys he's playing with are not like right? They're not like and he is making all of them into viable players. I haven't looked at it, PK, but it's worth taking a run at what's happened to players who leave staff. I'll I'll bet just about anyone other than Durant, obviously, who leaves the Warriors, who's been a role player next to Steph and had success because of Steph, uh, I would guess most of them aren't very good afterwards. Um, And then a really big personnel move mistake would be to be grabbing former Warriors. Now we're going to – maybe Eric Bashville is going to fly in, but he played almost – he played without Steph almost all the time. Um, But I I think we've still kind of underestimated Steph. And um, he's just changes everything. There. You can't guard him, and you have to send two to him at all spots on the floor, and that just makes everything else so easy. And then they're really, really good defensively, which is um, a little surprising. I didn't, I didn't see that coming. I missed on the Warriors. So um, it'd be nice for me to sit here and kind of say they're not quite right. I do think they're 29th in strength of schedule. So I think they're really, really good, but I don't know if they're this good. But I do think, you know what, I think the West standings, as they sit right now, almost are perfect. I think it's almost how it's going to finish. Okay, I think the six okay. non-playing teams are in. I think the four playing teams are in, and I think the non-playoff teams are there. Like I, I don't see a lot of shifting in the West, and I think everyone's within a seat or two of where they're going to be. So, as far as the Jazz and obviously David Locke joining us, that uh, doesn't. Uh, do you have any concern about being third? I don't have any particular concern about them being third. So, I think the idea that playoff seating doesn't matter is a really ridiculous concept. Um. So I do have concern. I don't have concern, but I do think playoff seeding really, really matters. For example, last year we had a first-round playoff series. We would have won 10 out of 10 times. And there probably wasn't another matchup that we would have won more than 6 out of 10 times. So the same thing, I think, this year, if you can get to 1 or 2 and play someone who's just come off the playing game, and it might be the Lakers, frankly, um, I think it's a great advantage. So I do think playoff seeding really matters. I do think home court really matters. Um, I'm not about to, like, like, so yes, I think that those things are very, very important. Do I have a concern? Um, not about that. I, I have some concerns. I, you know, we're not playing great. We don't have a good right. win yet. Um, our, our weaknesses that existed at the end of last year are still prevalent today. Um, why they would go away, there's nothing that would have meant they would have, but can they in some way go away in the next, you know, can we be ready by game 70? is the question, not really whether it doesn't really matter if we solve it by game 18. We're getting the, the positive to me is we're getting tested every night at the things we're not good at. It's abundantly clear to me that all 29 other teams studied the Utah Jazz in the offseason and tried to figure out what did they do 
Why were they 52 and 20? We, we far exceeded what people would expect. What's Quinn running? How are they doing it? What makes them great? How do you deal with it? And it's in the clip. And then they got a blueprint from the Clippers and everyone's doing the same thing to us almost every night, which just means we don't look as good because people are perfectly prepared for us. I, I'm, I, I'm certain the teams, that's what the league does, right? They go study three or four teams in the offseason. You know, why every league's a copycat league? Same thing in the NFL. So that's abundantly clear to me that that has taken place. And so every night, teams are brilliantly prepared to handle us in every way. And we're having to learn how to deal with it. And it's going to be a great test for 50 games for us to try to be ready by game 70 and be better at this when we face the teams in the playoffs that do this to us. Gotcha, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for your time. We got to go. Enjoy the games. Uh, I guess two two home games here against the same team. It's kind of unusual. So Jake told me you were having breakfast, and you needed time to be able to eat. Did I talk enough so that you could finish your breakfast? The pancakes were done. Okay, good. Glad. And you should have <laughs> had some bacon. <laughs> and a little turkey later on today, yeah. and some jazz basketball tonight. That's my life. All right. That's David Locke. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate him joining us every Friday. So uh, you told us that uh, Joe was a possibility. Is it going to happen? Yep. 840. 840. All right. Obviously, that's right around the corner. Stay with us. Joe Ingles coming up on game day. The guy is as reliable as any person, literally as any person in this business that I know. I mean, this guy is just amazing. On game day, he's showing up because obviously we didn't have the show yesterday with Thanksgiving being the day off. Stay with us. Joe Ingles coming up next, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. The new zone lineup is here. With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6. Live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Come join the Unrivaled Show at the new City Creek Cafe Real location, November 30th from 3 to 6 p.m. Get your Cafe Real favorites now at City Creek Center. All right, Locke. Locke was just on, and he was waxing giving us his thoughts on why some people get so caught up in the results of sports and somebody like me doesn't. And he was talking about identity, and he seeped into politics, didn't he? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I think that he was trying to make a point that uh, a certain uh, political party guy, uh, people find their identity in him. And that didn't sit well with some folks, did it not, Yak? Uh, no. <laughs> David. Now, his name is David. Wow. Locke is a complete lunatic idiot. <laughs> well, there you go. Thank you for your take. Thank you for listening, first off. Uh, yeah, I get it. And then I look on David. <laughs> David's... Uh, you told me it was on Twitter, so I looked at it. 
and he's got uh, a retreat. The first thing I see, a retreat. Happy birthday to the best POTUS. Uh, Who's ready for okay. four more years? <laughs> and you know who that picture is of? <laughs> Joe Biden? No, it's Mr. <laughs> Mr. Donald J. <laughs> so I think if you step back and take his point that, uh, that that person gave you an identity because he said what you believed, I think that was the point. Now, I don't think Locke is voting for David Donald J. anytime soon. I understand that. But I think that was his point. And certainly we take on uh, these uh, identities of our sports teams, and that's who we are. Uh, I mean, I was talking yesterday. It was funny. I was with a friend, and he was talking about, uh, man, there's no way they're losing. I think they win the Rose Bowl, and next year they're going to be in the playoff. And I said, do you realize after they lost to Oregon, you wanted Kyle fired? So don't count last season because that doesn't really count. So basically, the last season, which is not last year, but the year before, you wanted him gone. Now you think that they're going to smoke everybody the rest of the way, and they're going to make the playoff next year. You are the definition of a fan. But that's what fans are about, man. That's their identity, and it can be a little bit lunatic-y in that regard. All right, Joe Ingles is coming up next. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best-looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bell! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show <laughs> with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Joey Ingles is coming to you on the Smart Rain guest, has, guest line. Best of State award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial property users. Sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Joe Ingles, as reliable as ever, can't come on Thursdays because of Thanksgiving, so he's coming on as a game day. You can count on him for eight years strong. Joe, good morning. How does a great Australian family living in and working in America, celebrate Thanksgiving. I was going to say, I was fine to do radio yesterday. It wasn't me, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, yeah, I was actually talking about it with, uh, so our assistant equipment manager is, is our Australian Boomers equipment manager, and, and he came over this year from from the Boomers, and he's, he's our assistant here at the Jazz now, so we had him over yesterday and, and some other friends and stuff, and he, he was asking the same thing, like, have you always kind of gotten into it? Um, yeah, it's been weird, because obviously growing up in Australia, we, we don't celebrate Thanksgiving, but from the age of 17, I've had American teammates. Um, so even when I was playing in Australia, my American teammates and their families were like, hey, we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving, in, obviously, in Australia. Um, so yeah, I mean, for almost half my life, or, or pretty much half my life, I've I've celebrated Thanksgiving anyway. And even in Europe, having again American teammates, and then obviously now living here. So um, it's not for us like a 
<laughs> a mass. Like we, if we didn't celebrate it, it wouldn't really bother me. Um, but we had, oh, we've obviously got some some pretty good friends here in in Utah that are American too, and yeah, had a few people over yesterday, and um, yeah, had some food and hung out, and I guess did what you guys normally do. <laughs> so you watched football? No, I didn't do that. <laughs> um, watch the kids play with their toys but my American buddy had the football on for a little bit but I watched about one pass and then I was like yeah I would rather watch the kids okay so obviously you're a proud Australian you've said that many times over Very. but in a sense do you consider yourself at least to a degree some form of multicultural um, no, I mean, I consider myself very, very Australian. Um, and again, obviously, like you said, very proud to be Australian, but I have been very lucky, I guess, to, to be able to live and experience different cultures and foods and countries and people. And, um, I mean, even before playing professionally with like junior Australian teams and stuff like that, we would travel all over the world to Europe and playing little tournaments and, and whatnot here and there. So, I mean, from, I mean, as much as early as I can remember, like 13, 14, 15, I'd been traveling to Europe and, and obviously the States and um, obviously later in, in my life and career kind of playing in, in Israel, Barcelona and, and all these places. And um, very, I mean, people always ask, like, do you wish you went to college and like went in the draft and potentially got drafted and, I was like, yeah, it would have been, I mean, no, it would have been, if I did that, that experience would have been great and uh, I'm sure I would have enjoyed it. But my journey and my story and, and all that that got me to, to where I am now was, was pretty fun. Like, I can't, I wouldn't change it for the world. Is there times, like, during it that I was frustrated and maybe wished I did another route and figured out a way to get to the NBA before turning 27? But, um Obviously, now looking back, and, and I've been very lucky um, what, what basketball's obviously given me, not not just in terms of financially, but the, the, like I said, the countries I've lived in, the people I've met. Um, some of my close, probably my closest group of friends outside of my Australian friends is, is my about four or five teammates I played with in, in Israel. And we still talk every day to this point. One of them works for us. Um, so, yeah, they're. Things like that, that, that I, I, yeah, I wouldn't change for anything. So when you made that decision at 17 not to go to college and some of your contemporaries like Mills and other guys yeah. did, and we still see that today, and then the one kid that you played the other day, Giddy, who looks like he's going to be a star, by the way. I mean, just a young he kid. Will be, yeah. He's got all, <laughs> all sorts of talent. So he's, he's followed your path, although he didn't go the European route. He was good enough to come right to the NBA. When you were making that decision, was the goal to get in the NBA and you thought that was the way to go? Um, I mean, it's funny I say because I, I, I mean, I've said it before, obviously, but the, the the NBA thing to me was just so so far away. Um, I again grew up in Adelaide and, and wanted to play for the local team, the Adelaide Thirty Sixers, and I wanted to play for Australia, and they were my only two thoughts growing up. Like I never even, I didn't have like pay TV when I was growing up, so I couldn't watch highlights or games. Obviously, social media wasn't social media back then. You couldn't nearly watch a whole game on Instagram or Twitter or whatever. Um, 
so just I don't know, it just seemed so far away. And and as I got older, um, I mean, like you said about about Giddy as well. Like at his age, him deciding to play in the NBL was to prepare himself for the draft. My decision to play in the NBL was because I hated school and didn't want to go to college. Mine had nothing to do with thinking it would prepare me for the NBA. Um, looking back, pro- did like did it pre- help prepare me? Probably because I, I did start playing against men and all that at 17. Um, probably prepared me more for Europe at the time um, and then Europe preparing me for, for the NBA. But um, we, we were obviously myself and, and Josh were in such different but he always talks about or has talked about kind of looking up to me and trying to mould his or parts of his game after me it's like dude you are so much better than I was at, at that age like we yeah. did we take the same path yes um, and he played in Adelaide my hometown which who I wanted to play for um, but the comparison of like how much better he is is not even close like it I think he's 19 or maybe just turned 20 now. Like I was, there's no way in any lifetime or world I would be doing what he was doing or is doing in the NBA. So, um, yeah, my my decision was was purely, well, not purely, but I I, I didn't want to go to school, even though probably half the kids at college don't really do school. Um, <laughs> it, it was purely to play. Like I, I'd wanted to play in the NBL my whole life and, and I had obviously had an opportunity and, and ran with it. All right. So, but do you think that if you had gone to college, I mean, there's no way of knowing, do you think it would have turned out differently? Because I'm guessing if eventually, if you had the talent to get to the NBA, you were going to get to the NBA no matter what route you took. Yeah. I, I, I have thought about it before. I, I haven't like dove too much into it because it's obviously like you said like there's just no way of really knowing and um the only two schools i when i say consider it's not like i was close to deciding to go there but the only two that were like half intriguing was obviously saint mary's because of all the australian connection and um actually baylor was the other one that i was like um i think it's the same coach now scott drew was was there or has been there forever and, and was trying to get me to go there. And I would have actually played with Epe if I'd went at that time, which would have been funny, but um, like a few conversations with them, but it was just, yeah, I just never, and who knows, like if I'd gone and played the way I played in the NBL against guys my own age, like I obviously felt like I probably could have done a bit better than what I did in the NBL playing against guys my own age. Um, yeah. After seeing what I did my first whatever two three years there but like you said you just, you just never know and and even back to the the giddy situation of of going to the nbl like when i played in the nbl i think i think bogut maybe i think it was just bogut was or maybe a couple other guys but there was the, the number of australians in the nba was so small um the NBL wasn't what it is now in terms of the next stars program and the, the, these young kids skipping college to go to the NBL um, so my decision was not like this is <laughs> this is going to prepare me for the NBL uh, for the NBA um, where obviously now like you Terrence Ferguson and Tory Craig and, and obviously Giddy and for sure missing a few other names but these guys are going to the NBL the decision is purely to prepare them for the NBA where obviously mine was was nothing to do with that 
Right, right. So basically yeah. now, Australians to the NBA through Australia, that door has been basically blown wide open. Yeah, I mean, it's just such a realistic, I uh, think, the the Next Stars program they've got where you can bring over a pre-college or, or whatever that age is, 17, 18-year-old kid, and um, they make pretty good money. They obviously get to live in Australia during the summer. Obviously, the, the language barrier isn't there. Culturally, obviously, different, but very similar in, in, in a lot of things. Um, and then, uh, like I said, the guys that had, had done it in, in previous, the, the first couple of people that tried it out were, were very successful and got drafted. And, um, I think now, uh, and, and even obviously most recently with, with Giddy and the experience he's got, and then obviously he comes over and, like you said, he, his first, whatever, 20 games have been pretty unreal. I saw a stat yesterday, he, him, LeBron and LaMelo are the only three players in history to have over 100 rebounds and 100 assists in their first 18 or 20 games or whatever the, the game's number was. So um, I think the NBL keeps proving that it's a league that you can go to and, and get better and, and then obviously come over. Torrey Craig, completely different where he was out of college and all that and just went there because it was the job that was available and, and ended yeah. up getting to the NBA the year after. So lots of different ways to, to do it, but obviously I, I think it's a, a hell of a way to, to, to be able to get over to the NBA now with, obviously, like I said, all those positives with, with the country and the, the language and the food and, and all that. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a good path to go if you, you want to do that way. Since we're totally playing the what-if game with Joe Ingles, how about this? Now, you guys, and I'm going to mean you guys, I mean your family, your wife and your children, certainly you and your wife leading the way, and you guys have ingratiated yourself into the Utah life, and basically you've made a deep dive. And for someone who's only going to be here a relatively short span of time, if you break it down over a 80- or 90-year yeah. period, however long you live, you've certainly dug some deep roots. If Do you think if you would have gone to whatever city in the NBA, fill in the city, do you think you would have had this much of a connection like you've had here in Salt Lake in the state of Utah? Um, it's tough. Obviously, the the part of the city and, and I guess the flip side of it, them embracing me from day one, um, even though they were frustrated I would never shoot my first year, but um, kind of embracing me and, and what I brought to the team originally. Obviously, they only knew me as a, as a basketballer that didn't shoot in my first year. Um, but embracing obviously me and 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 then Renee um, as we got kind of comfortable here. Um, the flip side of of the other side of it with me, obviously, this is who I am. Like I I, I like to give myself to obviously the community here, the, the people. Um, try and do as much as we can. Obviously, I would have tried to do as much as I could have done wherever I lived if it was in the NBL still or in Europe or, or wherever it is um, obviously eight years in we're heavily connected here in, in more ways than just basketball. Uh, basketball is probably like one of the least things and I'm obviously I'm, I'm here because of that but the, the connections we've made in terms of not only friends but the, the work we've done in the community and stuff like that like this this place is, is obviously very special um, and it will always be, regardless of when my time is up here. 
Um, it'll always be somewhere we come back and visit. We'll bring the kids back. Um, I, I think the the connection part as well is it's so much like my minus the, the snow. Um, it's so much like my hometown in Adelaide. Um, even Junior, who's our equipment manager from Australia, the first time he he stays downtown, the first time he drove up to my house, he was like. Oh, it's like driving the this place, Tea Tree Gully, in in my hometown. It's like when you're driving up Foothill, it, it looks exactly the same as what it does to driving to this place in Adelaide. I'm like, yeah, it's very similar. So obviously that makes it a lot easier, um, or made it a lot easier originally. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the connections we've got here is is way beyond basketball. The the, the stuff we've done with the the community is something that we are obviously very proud of. Um, and like I said, even I mean, regardless of when it is, whether it's this year, next year, five years' time, um, we'll always come back and visit. There's no no way I'd ever stop doing stuff in the community, whether I live in another city in America or in Australia. I'm going to always try and, um, try and help Salt Lake City, help Utah um, in whatever way I can. So, um, yeah, it's t- obviously tough to answer. I, like I said, I would have kind of, dove into whatever city I was living in. Um, but obviously the, the give back as well from, from Utah, from the jazz, from the, the people here, from you guys, everyone has, has made it a lot easier to give myself to the community as much as we have. It's a weird situation with uh, two ball games at home against the same team. Yeah, It's hard to say that this must win. Uh, you know, we're still in November. Let's not lose sight of that. But uh, there's been a level of inconsistency, and I, I'm, I'm expecting, and I've said this, like I'm expecting like a 17-3 and three streak over 20 games and what level, whatever it might be. Do you feel a sense of urgency to maybe get some more consistent winning? For sure. Um, I mean, we obviously get stats and numbers and, and watch film and do all that all the time, and um it's funny when you look at the number. Coach actually asked me in a film session one day what what I thought we were ranked offensively, and I said probably like middle of the pack. Like like you said, we'd we'd played some really good games, and we'd play like the other end of really good. Um, <laughs> and um, I said like oh you know like ten to fifteen or something somewhere in the middle of the pack, and, and we were ranked one. We were or one or two or something. I think maybe at the time, and I, I think still to, to this day we're we're ranked extremely high offensively maybe even still one and um the other end of the floor half court defense we are ranked really high as well in the half court but in transition we've been horrible so um it's like yeah that that funny kind of line of of trying to figure out what we can do to be more consistent and like i said obviously we get we get a lot of stats and numbers and all that and get told that this is good and this is bad. And, and for us right now, I think the, the consistency, consistency part is, it is key. Cause if we can, where, when you've got such a good half court defense and obviously offensively, we know what we can do. Um, if we can stop teams running on us in transition, which is obviously what teams are trying to do because they know how good our half court defense is. Um, and obviously to, to date so far in the first 20 games of the year, whatever we are, um, that's been working for teams. They've been running and it's, and it's been a, an effective thing. So um, for us, we, we know there's little bits and pieces. I think 
offensively, even without shooting the ball as a as a collective group, probably as well as we know we can, and we're still be able, being able to get some wins. And um, they, again, obviously with the transition defense and turnovers and stuff, I think offensive rebounding too is something that we can we can tighten up. Um, obviously, our record is is decent. I actually don't know exactly what it is, but I know it's <laughs> we're, we're we're up there somewhere. Um, if we can tighten up those few little things and then start shooting the ball at a level that we know we can. Like you said, I, I feel like that we can go on a go on a run, but obviously that is on us, and, and we have to kind of control the controllables in terms of not turning the ball over or, or boxing out and running back in transition defense. And again, for us, defense is is where it's at and where we we know we can be really good. And the other end is very easy for us. We've got so many talented guys and, and so many options that. Um, it's almost like pick pick who you want to put your weakest defender on because the four of our guards are still going to be able to make a make a play or, or an impact either way. So um, yeah, we we definitely need some more consistency and and like you said, I, I think it'll come with with a little bit more focus and just getting locked in on those little things of, of boxing out and, and running back and stuff like that. Well, I can never tell you how to play, Joe, but what I can tell you is do not throw in an in. an Verdant elbow into the face of Isaiah Stewart. Okay, I would never, ever, <laughs> ever do that. Did you see that dude yeah. go after LeBron like that? Yeah, he was. Uh, he wasn't happy. It was almost like a. Um, we were talking like when when you see your own blood and you, you're like you're. That's when he. It looked like he he flipped when that because originally he, I mean, if he wanted to do whatever he was intending to do. He could have done it right away, and then obviously they got broken up. And I think LeBron tried to apologize or, or whatever. And then it was like the next moment he saw the blood dripping from his face, and he was like, "Oh, <laughs> I'm glad." Uh, yeah, it's uh, obviously glad nothing happened at the end of the day. All right. Well, hey, thanks for coming on, and uh, go get a couple of wins this weekend. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right, that is Joe Ingles coming on, making his usual appearance that he always does. The guy is big-time money. Uh, obviously, we were off yesterday, uh, but he still comes on once a week. And do you want to go to the game tonight? Yak, are you telling me we've got free tickets available? We have a pair of tickets to give away right now to a lucky caller. Caller 12, is that what they're doing? What's the phone number? Yeah, caller 12, 855-340-ZONE. That's 855-340-9663. Caller 12 will get a pair of tickets to tonight's game between the Jazz and the Pelicans. Yeah, we got to tell you also, there you go. Get free tickets to the game tonight. See the Jazz play the Pelicans. I got to tell you, coverage of the Las Vegas Raiders all season long is brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raiders debit card. All the same great features and benefits now with the silver and black. Learn more at AmericaFirst.com slash Raiders. All right, man. Stay with us. More to come. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. All right, thanks for joining us on this Friday, Black Friday. Well, we're going to change that to White Friday and bring in David James. David, good morning. Good morning, Patrick. (laughs) It'd be helpful if I was actually brought in when I started talking. (laughs) Yuck. (laughs) 
Ryan Abraham's coming up next to talk USC. Man, yes, how yes, many gazillion BYU fans are going to show up to send USC to four and seven while the Cougars rise to ten and two? Well, right now I am. I've just pulled off to the side. I am in Barstow. <laughs> it is fun to travel with your team on the road. And I know a lot of BYU fans aren't really necessarily traveling all that much because maybe they live in the area and go over to the game. But uh, it is fun to go to another stadium, hit the road with your team, see if they can pull off the W. Well, you know, the thing that I've figured out is I can equate attendance increases with the proximity of the football stadium to the Latter-day Saint Temple. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sounds like a, sounds like a, a geometry slash physics problem. I was never good at those, but I think I know where you're going. And as you know, I mean, you know firsthand, obviously, the Latter-day Saint Temple is on Santa Monica Boulevard. Sing it. This is just an opportunity for you to sing. This is all a buildup. And when the sun sets over Santa Monica Boulevard. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I see what you're doing. Had a kid. Santa Monica Boulevard. They got to get a temple. They got to get a temple, though, in South Central, don't you think? Uh, Yeah, one day. Yep, one day. It'll happen. (laughs) Are you prophesying? Uh, I guess I am. <laughs> I wasn't trying to. Boy, who knew? I was trying to. Honestly, I was trying to minimize and deflect, but apparently, I did prophesy. <laughs> so it's we've confusing. Got, I'm, this has right been now, I'm quite like that. I'm like that. I'm like that fan they pull out of the stand and put the put the bat on their nose during the timeout in the jazz game and spin them around. That's where I am. <laughs> I'm about this has to been staggered towards half court. Quite the morning that we've had. David James Snigglorf the third has prophesied there'll be a Latter Day Saint <laughs> Temple one day in South Central. And earlier this morning, in the same paragraph, if not the same sentence, David Locke said the names Donald Trump and Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Gosh, I don't want to know. <laughs> did he not, Yak? Did he back me up? True, true story, he did. And it, <laughs> it's a yeah, DJ. You just no. It's too hard to explain. Yeah, it's probably better if I don't know. <laughs> he, he, he's usually on one, but he might have set the record of oh, being on one. Legendary, legendary. He said hello, David. Sat back and let him go. Uh, yeah. He, he was skiing in the backcountry. Just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know when they say, don't get off the trails? <laughs> mm-hmm. He did. He, oh, yeah. I mean, he was skiing in some areas that I don't believe I've ever been skied on before or in. Wow. Uh, Crazy. Yes. <laughs> so you've got that and then your prophesization. And we'll just have to... Uh, We'll have to see if that comes to pass because one day knows? I left it wide open. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, who knows? I mean, it may not even be in the Earth existence as we know it, but who's to say, right? You never know. So, I, I, there's no way that I can guarantee that you are going to be wrong. But we're talking about you talk about BYU. Think about this, Sniggy. Is that they will go f- have an opportunity to go five and zero, which I think that it's not just cool. 
I think it's important. You know, Kyle in his press conference earlier this week was talking about how that they were gaining some recognition for the success they have. And you're you're constantly recruiting. You're never not recruiting yep. in college sports. It's it's always there. And so we're talking about how, all right, we know that the Cougars are going into the Big 12 here in, uh, what, 14 games, basically. Now that's going to be spread over almost a two-year period. But, you know, they've got a couple games left this year and then next year. And then after that, they'll be in the conference. But you wonder how much of the recruiting area will really change because obviously in the West, they're much more prominent, not just with church members, but uh, uh, non-member Bob would be more familiar with LDS people, which might in turn make him more comfortable to consider BYU. Even as they go into the Big 12, will they really be able to recruit strong there compared to the West? I don't think so. So I think that this game tomorrow and being able to say we're 5-0 and against this conference, I think that can help bring in recruits because never again are they going to play five games in a single season against the conference. That's literally never going to happen, right, in the Pac-12. No. Right. Not without massive conference realignment, you're going to have eight or nine of your 12 games in league play. So do the math. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if if they play, maybe they can play two, play the Utes or somebody in the regular season, and then get somebody in a bowl. Uh, That's conceivable. But this is it. So you'll never have a chance to go 5-0. and So for a lot of different reasons – I think this game has a fair amount of impact tomorrow night. Yeah, and I think that even when USC is awful, USC is a story. In all of its awfulness, it's a story. And the high school kids and the high school coaches in Southern California are watching. So go down, play a fun brand of football, throw it around a little bit, hit a deep shot to whichever receivers are going to be healthy for this game, and uh, do what you've been doing all year and look good. And people are going to be watching, you know, it's, it's SC. People are always watching, even when they're terrible. And so this could have, sh- when you think about it, this could have short-run ramifications because you don't know who's going to go into the transfer portal and say, wow, look at how they play, but that kid left to go to the pros or that kid is hurt now for the year. I got a chance to play at that position. And you don't know long-term what high school kid who is going to go on a mission and redshirt and is going to be a prominent player in five or six years is watching this game. It can be all sorts of impact. Everything, I hate it when you're right and you get to repeat yourself over and over again, but everything matters a little bit. Nothing is all that important and over the top. You know, this is just one game, but it's another piece of the puzzle for BYU. Yeah, although I, I do have a fair level of concern about this. And the three our three schools, the way I rank it, is I have zero concern on the Utes. I have minimal concern on the Aggies. And I have a fair amount of concern on the Cougars. Well, for the Utes, they are playing a team that is, uh, let's see, the Colorado offense is 12th in yards per game in the Pac-12. They are 12th in passing yards per game. They are 11th in points. They score 19 points a game, and Arizona scores 17. I guess if you're going to have a little concern, it's the fact that the Utes gave up 14 points to Arizona on the first two drives. I mean, they did come out sleepwalking. But they still won the game on the road. So at home on senior day, I get your point. It doesn't seem like going to mess this up. seems like the Utah defense ought to overwhelm the Colorado offense. I mean, 
I don't think the Utah offense is going to be held to 17 points, but it feels like 17 ought to win the game. Now, I think they'll get more than that. But So I get your point. The Utah to handle Colorado. I guess your concern with the Aggies is that they, in the words of Jerry Saloon, play backwards and beat themselves and come out and turn it over and are sloppy and never get their mojo back. That They're so whacked out by the last game, they let it impact the next game. Shouldn't happen, though. Mexico's not good. So by default, no, it shouldn't, USC, but... That, you know, by default, the USC is the most intriguing, troublesome opponent. And they can't yeah, score. I, they I can think score. they're dangerous. Yeah. I think they're the wounded animal proverbial thing there. And now they know if they don't. I, 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 you talk about how they may fold. Yeah, they may not look forward to some nobody cares bowl game. I mm-hmm. get that. But I also think they don't want to finish under 500, and the only way they can avoid that is by winning their last two games, and they should have a decent chance to beat Cal. So, and this is—I uh, don't even know where that game is. Is it in Berkeley or LA? Uh, but this—I'm not sure where the game is. This could be their last home game there, and and I and I think that in a sense, yeah. Where is the, yeah, the Stanford game? Because they're usually opposite. Stanford was home. Okay, then it's away. I know full well it was home because it was awful in the Coliseum, and that's the yeah. Clay Hilton got fired game. Uh, and I think in a sense that you're right, there will be a big crowd for the Cougars, and mm-hmm. I think that fires up the home team. Hey, wait a second here. I, I got it all does these loudmouth Cougar fans. I, I, I don't want them to win. Yeah. Initially, yes. USC will come out with energy, and they don't want to lose the seventh game and be guaranteed to lose in the season. There's a certain amount of pride in all of that. But I think it's more a question of what happens when they turn the ball over, what happens when they give up a big play, is that when the shoulders slump, the head goes down, and they don't have any energy. You're right. They'll come out with it. I mean, BYU will have to go out and get the lead, and the longer you let them hang around, blah, 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 we know all of that. But BYU is the better team. So, so who are you out. choosing, the Cougarettes or the SC Songgirls? <laughs> I grew up in Southern California, so the SC Songgirls. Yeah, never made sense to me uh, why they had the white horse running around the Coliseum, though. That doesn't make any sense to me. So, what is it about the Songgirls that gives you the edge? Is it just the proximity? Yeah, I think so. But it's not that you feel that they're just, you know, outrageously sexier? Here you go. This is how Locke got in trouble, isn't it? No, I don't not know what even close. <clears throat> I don't know what happened. Locke didn't get in trouble. Locke willingly went down that road. <laughs> he went sprinting. <laughs> yes. Give me the mic. Here I go. I mean, he was quoting some guy named Joseph Campbell, who I'm not even sure who that is. Who? Yeah, wasn't it? Didn't he go Joseph Campbell? Yeah, there were name after name after name and example after example thrown out in this long answer that probably went for a good five or so minutes. And the question was, why didn't the Jazz look better in Oklahoma City? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. No, it was. It we were talking about identities. Did you see that Nick Saban thing? Uh huh. Yeah. The thing that he did the other night. When he was uh, one of the two-minute rants at the podium about, yeah. you, you, you want us to blow everybody out, and these are college kids, not professionals. Yeah, 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 I, yeah, I yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I saw it on Twitter. Yeah. yeah, I saw it on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. So that's, I brought up about how 
uh, how I've always been an intense sports fan, but I've never, uh, not never, but rarely have been an intense result of sports fans. Mm-hmm. It doesn't determine my mood or anything like that. And so, and I said, Nick Saban, you know, basically that's what Nick Saban was saying. Try to find perspective in this stuff. These yeah. are college kids here and all this. And the lock didn't want to hear it at all because obviously Saban pushing $10 million a year oh, based oh, on, yeah. on, and it is yeah, somewhat two faced. Yeah. I, I get all that. But at the same time, I took his point, and then he went off, and we ended so up I, with identity yeah. politics. I did think, oh, wow. I did think watching it that um, Saban's message is right, but he's not the right messenger. Precisely, that's a, a, yes. That's a message people need to hear, and I think it's yes. largely on point, but it's not coming from the right guy. <laughs> you know? Right, because he's cashing in big time. I'm cashing in big time. You, you've watched me win. I've probably graded on you at some point, and now I'm going to lecture you on how you ought to feel. Well, he's David's right. on point this he's not the perfect messenger. Right, right. But but that's but see, but that's I've lectured on that. But I'm nobody, and nobody's going to listen to me and say, <laughs> "Yeah, man, yeah, well, yeah." I mean, I hear what yeah. he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of telling people what not to do, maybe tell them, you know, suggesting a little more what they can do. You know, it's like regardless of the final score, you get six if you're a big time football program and you're buying home games in the SEC. You get seven home games a year. Once in a while, there's an outlier school that gets eight, but it's very rare. Right. So this is six or seven times a year that you get to go hang out with your friends, tailgate all day long. Go in and watch a team. In the case of Alabama, go in and watch a team that's probably going to win. And so he's probably getting negativity because every coach does, and they're 10-1. and one. So why are you getting a lot of negativity at 10-1? and one? Brady Hoke at San Diego State has rubbed me the wrong way multiple times in his multiple stints at San Diego State with stuff he's said or done or not done, but they're 10-1. and one. I'm not loathing the guy right now. He had to wake his guys up at 5.30 in the morning to feed him chicken and whatever else they eat for the pregame meal. <laughs> Because they got an early morning game with Boise State, get a chance to win the division today. Why complain at ten and one? Then you just complain all the time, and then sports isn't fun. And I thought that was the whole thing. I thought sports was fun. Should be, yeah. All right, the Ox telling us we got to go. So have fun. We'll talk to you Monday. All right, see you Monday. All right, that's David James, the Hall of Famer. David James, he'll be back. The gang will be back. The group will be back in its proper order with me shooting spitballs at the back of the bus, as he likes to say, on Monday. But coming up next, we're going to do a deep dive into USC. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. The new Zone lineup is here. With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6. Live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. All right, guys. You want to go to the Jazz game tonight? Jump on it right now. Be caller 12. What's the number, Yawk? 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-9663.
Yeah, you heard it right there. Uh, opportunity to go to Jazz game tonight on the zone. You know, we got the slacker headlines that are brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call or visit Lee'sHeatAC.com now to schedule a free home, in, a free in-home estimate or free second opinions. And the one of the big headlines is the Cougars playing the Trojans. Joining us now is Ryan Abraham. He's publisher of uscfootball.com and host of the podcast of Champions. Ryan, are you ready for 15,000 BYU fans to invade the L.A. Memorial Coliseum tomorrow night? They're already around. You can see the blue shirts uh, everywhere in Los Angeles. So, yeah, I think it's going to be uh, – you'll have a good time in the Coliseum. Um, yeah, USC is kind of a program that's – I mean, honestly, like circling the drain right now, just trying to figure out who the next head coach is going to be. They seem to just be playing out the string, but it's college football. Anything could happen. But, yeah, it's uh, – the way UCLA handled USC uh, last weekend, I don't think it gives USC fans a ton of hope that uh, this weekend's going to go much better. Yeah, so you look at the offense, and whether it's Slovis or Dart, uh, they've been pretty good. Running backs have been okay. Obviously, the big receivers hurt, but they still got some other guys there. So offensively, they look okay, but defensively, they're atrocious. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. In special teams, they had they gave up the kickoff to the Bruins. I'm wondering, since the offense seems to be okay and the defense just needs a ton of work, how much do you think that will play into – whether they decide to hire an offensive head coach or a defensive head coach. Yeah, I mean, even the offense, to be honest, has just not been what it was like we saw in 2019 when they first introduced the air raid. Uh, I mean, there's been some games, like Jackson Dart's first game against Washington State when he came in after Slovis got hurt. They look great. But since uh, Drake London's gone down, it just doesn't seem to be clicking uh, all that much for the offense. So, I, you know, I don't know just the struggles this year if it's going to impact where they go. Sometimes you like to go opposite. If it was an offensive coach, you like to get a defensive coach. But I really feel just, you know, that this administration is just trying to find who the best guy is going to be for the next 10 years. And when fans talk to me about, oh, they need a defensive guy, they need an offensive guy, I think you just need the best leader of men you can find, someone that you think can bring this program back to national prominence where it should be. So, I don't think it's going to impact it either way as far as offensive or defensive, but there's some interesting candidates out there, but a lot of candidates seem to be wanting to stay where they are. So with all these jobs open, it's crazy right now. It's like musical chairs, and I don't know how many seats are left for uh, with great head coaches that these programs could jump on. So is, is Dart going to start or is Slovis? Yeah, so Dart's going to be the guy. Um, Keontae Ingram, the running back, has done really well. He's going to be a game-time uh, decision, but we still haven't seen Slovis practice this week. So my my guess is, once he got that lower leg injury, they. I mean, I think I think the coaches wanted to go with Dart. At least Dante was go with Dart just to get some excitement going. Um, you know, he played half of the previous games, the Arizona Arizona State games. He split times with Slovis, and then last weekend against uh, UCLA, he got the whole, you know, the whole thing. So uh, it to me, just the offense sort of looked the same. But he's got a lot of promise. Uh, you know, the Draper Utah kid, and I think the fans have really been behind him. But, you know, without Drake London out there, just the offense doesn't seem to to work as a, a finely oiled machine, no matter who the quarterback is. So is Slovis done with college ball? That's a good question. Um, I mean, I think he's got options. Like, it, Dart seems to be the future at USC. You know, obviously, with new head coaching coming in, you just don't know 
I mean, they could be running a triple option for all we know. I doubt it, but I guess something like that could happen. Um, I kind of lean towards that, that Slovis might try to test the NFL waters uh, before it, you know, or it goes to the transfer portal. I think it would be more like try out the NFL. Um, you know, I'm probably not going to be a high draft pick, but if he can get on a roster somewhere, he can kind of make a name for himself. I mean, he, he has the option to transfer somewhere, too. I just don't see him being in a cardinal and gold next season either way. Ryan Amberham, publisher of USCfootball.com, joining us. Some talk we've been bat- bannering this about this whole week here is that, okay, SC's four and six. Uh, the way I look at it is that, you know, obviously they don't want to finish under 500, so they got Cal next week and they got the Cougars this week. And uh, with that in mind, the other line of thought is, hey, let's get this season over, pack it in. We got two games uh, in uh, eight days. The season will be over and we can forget about it. I tend to think that, you know, they don't want to finish under 500, so. I'm expecting as much as they can to at least in the beginning, if not the entire game, but in the beginning be emotionally into it to try to give the Cougars a run. How about you? Yeah, no, I agree with you. The problem was this is kind of a team. It's like a boxer that uh, can't take a punch really well. It seems like they could come out and be fired up and, and be excited. But as soon as you see some adversity, as soon as something goes wrong on the field, it's hard for everyone to kind of rally around that. I just think, you know, you have a lot of people that are probably thinking individual thoughts as opposed to thinking about the team because, you know, even the coaches know likely in eight days they're without a job, uh, you know, barring some miracle where they win their last two games and, and make a bowl game. But, um, yeah, you feel like that's sort of the case that they could come out and play strong, but is it going to be able to last? I know there's players that want to make it to a bowl game. I mean, this team hasn't won a bowl game since the 2016 season when they won the Rose Bowl in 2017 over Penn State. That's the last time they won a bowl game. So I think some of the players still want to do this, but the way that's gone down where you have 10 games of an interim head coach after firing head coach, that's a long stretch. And I think there's a lot of people that are sort of like counting the number of meetings, counting the number of practices left, and like you mentioned, two games in the, in the last eight days. So I think there's going to be a little bit of a mix of that on the team. If they can get some going early and keep it going, the problem is, I think if there's any bumps in the road, I'm not sure this team's going to be able to overcome that and be able to keep their heads in the game for the full 60 minutes. So, other programs in the or programs in the Pac-12 have picked off notable LDS players, right? And obviously, the BYU sponsored by the LDS Church and you know, Jackson Dart being one of them, and they picked off Utah kids. This is sort of out of your league because you're focused on SC a little bit. But what do you think about the Cougars going 5-0 and in the Pac-12 this year? Uh, two good seasons, momentum going into the Big 12. Uh, in terms of maybe not losing some of these kids to these other programs that they need to get. Yeah, I think just the you see the success on the field and putting a guy like Doc Wilson as a you know a top three whatever draft pick. I mean, there's I think there's some momentum building there from BYU just to be able to beat um, potentially the the winner of the Pac-12 North and South this season going undefeated uh, in the Pac-12. I mean, that's that's saying something. I think you know you want to have legitimacy. Cincinnati has. Some legitimacy because they beat Notre Dame. You know, Indiana's not as good, but to go, you know, five in the Pac-12, uh, I think that's really impressive to me. And they're going to be part of the, you know, trying to get the Big 12 back to 
what everyone's going to think is Power Five status without Oklahoma or Texas. I think that's going to be you know BYU could be an important you know piece of that puzzle. So uh, yeah, I think you can build the momentum there. There's going to be you know guys that leave for other programs all the time, but uh, I mean you know being legitimate in the state, being legitimate in the region. You know, being able to recruit California and Texas, whatever. Do, you know, I think you got to do all that stuff as well. But um, certainly seems like BYU's taking some you know, steps in the right direction when you can go five and zero against the Power Five league. Ryan Abraham joining us. Any idea what the time frame is on hiring coach? Obviously, they've had the longest because they fired him what in game two. He's already got another job, and which is ironic. I don't know if it's ironic, but it's just indicative of the crazy season. And so now we're upon it. You know, the season for at least the regular season for most teams, except for the conference title games, ends tomorrow. So I'm thinking it ought to be fairly soon, right? We should know pretty soon. I mean, the problem is there's a lot of coaches in play that their seasons could go on longer than you expect. If it's someone like, uh, you know, Iowa State's Matt Campbell, he's not making the conference championship game. And potentially after this weekend, um, you could hear right. something about that. If it's a guy like Luke Fickle, I mean, he's making a run in the college football playoff. That might not be until January where you get to, uh, you know, hire someone like him. So, and, and the fact that there is the LSU job open. And the Florida job open, you know, and Virginia Tech, Washington, TCU. There's a bunch of you know good top twenty, top fifteen, three top ten jobs that are open right now, and you might not be getting the guy you want when you guys like James Franklin, Mel Tucker sign these huge extensions. Uh, you know, there's reports that Dave Aranda would be sticking around, but there, I, I, yeah, I mean, it could be as soon as this weekend, but it might not be, you know, for weeks to come. But it's just it's just been absolutely crazy. Uh, and the amount of money being thrown around when you can set, sign these guys to ten-year extensions—it's uh, changing. It's changing the game. So it might not be the best time to have a, you know try to be trying to hire a head coach just because there's so much competition right now. It's like real estate. Uh, there's just not a lot of inventory out there. Yeah, could you handicap uh, who you see as potential candidates, and would you put Sataki on that list? Uh, I, th- I think he could potentially be, especially with the way things are are going, where it looks like there's you know maybe not one's no one's going to get their first choice. Um, I mean, he, you know, the kind of toughness he's bringing, especially that you know if he comes into the Coliseum and really puts a beat down on him. He, people talk about Mario Cristobal when he came into the Coliseum last year and beat USC. They wanted to see him as a candidate, which I don't really see. But I think the three that you know everyone's been talking about the most is Dave Aranda, Baylor. Matt Campbell at Iowa State and Luke Fickle at um, at Cincinnati, and you know Mike Bone has already hired Luke Fickle once, uh, but two of those guys, you know Fickle and Campbell, there's been a lot of talk about they're more Midwestern guys. They probably don't want to leave for the the glamour of Los Angeles, and you know there's reports recently at Dave Aranda they're trying to work a a deal with him. He's only been there two years at at Baylor, but you know has a chance to win a conference this year. So there's, I mean. Those are the top three, and all three of them might end up staying where they are. So it's uh, that's why it's such a silly season. Um, so many, so many crazy things going on. There's got to be so many interesting behind-the-scenes conversations going on, trying to figure out who's going to go where. So we're uh, we're all waiting like beta, with bated breath just to try to find out who's going where. For sure, Ryan Abraham, publisher of USCFootball.com, joining us. So I, I think that SC, you know, they've got to get it right because if you look at what's happened since the Utes have joined the conference. Uh, I, I tallied it up here just in my head, so I could be off. 
But I think that the other five teams in the, just the division, not the conference, just the division, in the time that the Utes have been in and they came in in 2011, there has been 20 head coaches and the other five teams in that time that Utah's just had one. And I think SC's had five. Uh, yeah. Obviously, that just is not going to work. And I think if you look at it, one of the keys, if not the key of success for Utah is stability, whereas nobody, literally nobody else in the division has had stability in the coaching. 100%. I think continuity is a big deal. And I think Lynn Swan tried to create that at USC when he was there because he came from the Pittsburgh Steelers model. The problem is, you know, if you have success, continuity is great. If you're not having success, and they weren't having success with Clay Helton, they signed him to like this fully guaranteed five-year extension, Lynn Swan did, and he goes five and seven, you know, six months later. So there's problems there too. That end up, you know, USC end up getting locked up with Clay Helton for years longer than they wanted, and now they're the mess of the program that they are right now. But I think finding those guys is important. And if, if you're not sure, you know, Mel Tucker, I think they really like him at Michigan state. Um, and they're going to overpay for him just to keep him and just to have that, that continuity and the stability, like you talked about. And I think it's going to be a lot easier to uh, stick with the guy, you know, uh, especially if they're having somewhat level of success and try to build on that as opposed to starting fresh. And I, maybe we see less of a silly season going forward. If this, coaching carousel this this season with all the top jobs open uh doesn't turn all that well uh, turn out well for those programs that you're not able to get someone that you can have continuity with uh, i think people have itchy trigger fingers when it comes to this stuff but yeah. we're seeing programs that kind of stick with their guy have better luck well, Ryan, thanks for joining us. The only thing that really matters, though, in the long run is there's about 115 days till St. Patrick's Day at Hennessy's in Hermosa, right? Yes. <laughs> I'll see you there. You want to come out? Well, it'll be great. We'll green beer and everything. I used to go when I lived down there in Pedro, but now, now I go for Pac-12 Media Day, so I'm there in the end of July. But thanks for joining us, Ryan. All right, thanks for having me on. All right, that's Ryan Hammer, Abraham, publisher of uscfootball.com. Doesn't give the Trojans much hope. Cougars running to 10 wins. That would be absolutely awesome. All right, we will come back, close up the last Friday in November show. Can you believe it? Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Raiders got a big win yesterday. Did you see that? Yeah, beating the Cowboys in overtime. And did you know coverage of the Las Vegas Raiders all season long right here on The Zone is brought to you by America First Credit Union? It is the exclusive home of the official Raiders debit card. All the same great features and benefits. Now with the silver and black, you can learn more at AmericaFirst.com slash Raiders. Yeah. All right, wrapping up the show on this Friday. I already told you about somebody tweeted at us, said Locke was an idiot. Nah, he's just making a point. Roll with it. Accept people's differences if you don't agree with them politically. Why can't we get along? You know what I mean? You chest a trailer calling me out. He's right. Me being a man of music, I should know. The sun doesn't go down over Santa Monica Boulevard. It comes up. Yep. I stand corrected. UST, 
Yep, sun comes up over Santa Monica Boulevard. Yeah, not too far from where the Cougars are going to be playing football tomorrow at the historic Coliseum. That's an old, old venue. It's so old that years ago I entered the, uh, it was a junior achievement uh, 10K, and I did it because I had the opportunity to run through the tunnel at the Coliseum and finish on the track. They don't even have the track in there anymore. What did they have? Three Olympics? And I can remember they took us, uh, we parked at the Coliseum, then they took us downtown, and I had never run a 10K. I think that was the only time I ever did run a 10K. I think I've run a few 5Ks, but I didn't. Uh, the 10K was the first time I'd ever done it. And what is that? Is like uh, five and a half plus miles or something. And we started at downtown, and we had to run up this hill. And I'd never run that far. And I thought, oh, my gosh, man, this is going to be way too long. And I started hyperventilating. I could barely breathe as we started. But uh, I got my... My second win, so to speak, and finished, I think I finished in like 56 minutes, and I got to run on the track in the Coliseum when I was living there, and that was fun. And anytime you go on the Coliseum, it's an historic venue. It's been remodeled multiple times, and the Cougars get to do that. Now, I don't know, Yak, have they ever won down there? I don't think they have, right? They've only played there once, if I recall correctly, okay. in 03, and they lost okay. that game. If that's it. Yeah, I, I covered the game for the Watchdog at that point, they, and that was uh, that was when they were rolling. I was just going to say, there's some yeah. certain names that are like <laughs> all-timers that were on those teams. Yeah, yeah. They play, I think they played there in 03 and mm-hmm. then in uh, Provo in 04. Yep, Leinert, Bush, Lindell Waite were all in Provo in 04. Yeah, yeah. They had, they Obviously, that was at the height of Pete Carroll's a phenomenal run that they ever that they had and that the problem with that I mean that's a great run when they had it they dominated but then the the uh, the subsequent coaches are expected to live up to that and that's really really hard to do so we'll see who ends up being the next Trojan football coach I I don't know that they can live up to that things have changed so much and it's hard to do but that ghost of Pete Carroll looms large and so it would be fun that if BYU was only played there once, the Cougars play there every other, or the Utes play there every year, I should say, and they had never won there, but they broke through that barrier rather easily here in October, and now the Cougars will try to win. I don't know how many more times they'll play there. They may not. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess if they end their schedule, uh, SC to have a series with them. Who knows? Probably not. Probably not for a long time. So this is a great opportunity to beat SC for the second consecutive time because you beat them a couple years back in OT at your place uh, when Slovis was a freshman. Now you got this opportunity to go there. So much riding on that for the opportunity to win ten ball games, finish ten and two in the regular season. And then if you don't get a New Year's Day 6, I'd be sort of on the surprise size that you would get that. But if you don't get that, then you got an opportunity to finish 11-2 and because you'll play a Patsy in a bowl game in the Independence Bowl. And you should be able to beat whoever you play there, right? Yeah, I would think so. So 11-1, and 11-2, and wow, that is a lot of winning. Same goes for the Utes. Throw out last year, they've had a lot of winning too. 
I expect them to roll against Colorado. The Aggies getting underway here. Scotty will have the pregame show starting right here at the top of the hour. They play at 11. For them to go 9-3 and three in Blake Anderson's first year, I would think that would make him coach of the year in the conference. Kyle's probably coach of the year in the Pac-12. And obviously Kalani can't get coach of the year because they're not in a conference for another year plus. There you go. Stay with us. We've got our guys, Jake Scott, Ben Anderson, coming up next right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thanks for living. Thanks for listening. Happy Thanksgiving weekend. DJ will be back on Monday. Look forward to talking to you then.